And we'll get him back in here. And then we can do our little recap here. So last time on War for the Crown, you guys escaped the Senate sublevels. You did it. You returned to an Apara with no ruler, as you learned pretty quickly that both the Grand Prince himself and Princess Eutropia are mysteriously absent in the wake of the Senate Hall killing. Speaking of people who are absent, Martella is nowhere to be found, but good news slash bad news, you generally know where she is. Emistos turned on you at the last moment with a couple assassin friends and tried to stab you a whole bunch. You murdered him and found a note implying that a group called the Brotherhood of Silence had taken over Martella's safe house and are holding her hostage. You definitely need a little bit of work before you could dive into that, though. You were wounded. You were low on supplies. You didn't even have all of your supplies to begin with because you went to a party and didn't expect to be trapped in an ancient centuries-old crypt below grounds for a full day. So you took the day to prepare as you could. But the plans to head out the next morning with a little bit of assistance from the Pathfinder Society as Marques, the shop that Inori had befriended at the gala, just kind of showed up after tracking you down with her agents and offered two of her own to assist you in attacking the warehouse. She didn't warn that it couldn't be like a direct approach kind of thing. She couldn't have them be super involved, but they'd help you in what ways they could. And the bad news only continues to get worse as you woke up the next morning and with the notable exception of Dara, who was perfectly fine and just having a great morning, everyone's pretty sick. And we're not talking, like, just regular grade sick. This is a scale from actual crippling flu to mid-chemotherapy dying of cancer, in Inori's case, who has taken the brunt of this much worse than the rest of the party. Nell had a physician that his family had brought overnight to tend to his physical wounds, mostly the stabbing, on account of, again, Amistos and his friends. And as Nell awoke with whatever this plague was, the doctor identified this as filth fever, which is pretty much the Galarian equivalent of the plague. So as you all meet up, we uh, left off right as you were all heading down to a hearty mug, the tavern we'd agreed to meet with the Pathfinder agents at. And two of us, I believe, did drink anti-plague which doesn't do anything today, but... Two of you did? I, I know you did. mine, and I gave one to... Yeah, I have it in my notes that you drank yours. Uh, Inori, did you drink the one I gave you? I we stopped with you guys one. just barely meeting up in the morning. So, uh... True, yeah. You hadn't... If you have one you made you were going to give her today, you're, you're just gathering outside the hearty mug now. And it is clear to Dara that the rest of the party is not feeling well, but Baylor and Nell just are some amount of off, and Inori looks like she's actually trying not to die. Yeah, and I had enough time to roughly say what the doctor told me. Because I, I remember we did that. Filth fever. And it yeah, and we, we absolutely be lethal. And I was saying how I was going to go to the uh, House of the Dawn's Redemption myself while they go and meet with everybody. Because I'm fucked briefly, up. Yeah, you'd briefly discussed places that you could go, uh, various churches nearby that may be able to provide clerical services. 
to help restore you somewhat. Because, yeah, just diving into whatever the Brotherhood of Silence has prepared in this state doesn't really seem like a fantastic idea. The two options you've got was the Cathedral of Coins, which was the Abadarian Chapel that is just around the corner, and the House of Dawn's Redemption, a church to Saren Ray a bit further away. Which is held not in the best of regard by some of these citizens. And you weren't here, so we did collect one of our uh, one of our payments. So each of us got seventy five gold, Mancha. Yeah, Squid put it on my sheet. Okay. Yeah, I did it. I did it for him while we were there. All right. That that should be everything from last week, though. Yeah, as far as stuff that actually matters, uh, Mancha, because you weren't here, it was just I told you the one thing about your ring. Yeah. And then that, but I already did it on your sheet. So yeah, you should just be good to go. Yeah, and I listened to the whole vod. Oh, okay. You're definitely good to go then. Okay. Uh, what a champion. You get a pass for not reading the Pathfinder group chat. <laughs> I read it. Well, I you reply, but I read it. Okay, fair enough. It's just Shenmue and Joe then that have failed America. Uh, there was one other thing I would have done in the morning. Which is what? Look at that pearl again. <laughs> Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, you can definitely try that again now. Let me see. Try it regular style. <laughs> Just believe in the dream. Is it going to happen? Uh, with a 20? That might happen. You know what? I think I just might give it to you out of pity, because I'm pretty sure that's actually not high enough to identify a pearl of power. <laughs> because it's one of those weird ones that the caster level is so ridiculously high because it doesn't. there's like Pearl of Power 1 through 7 or whatever, and the caster level is the same for all of them, so it has an absurdly high caster level to account for the super high level ones. Isn't so there like I'll a sidebar thing about that? There are for some of them, but I don't know if there is for the Pearl of Power. But I'm going to give it to you. You, uh, you wake up in the morning and try again, pretty sure from your studies, again, the same as the Cloak of Resistance, you're fairly positive as the Cloak of Resistance. You're fairly positive this is a Pearl of Power, and you do identify it as a first-level Pearl of Power. All right. The important thing is, I can use it now. Yes. You uh, you divine the command word out of it is what matters. Not knowing what it was wasn't really enough. You knew it was a Pearl of Power. What else could it possibly be, other than some magical prank that someone made specifically to make people think it was a pearl of power. You needed to suss out how to activate the thing, and that you have. So the four of you meet outside a hearty mug. What is the plan? Uh, after the short conversation we would have, um, I suppose I would just lead the way in. We're here for meeting people after all. Why not meet them? Indeed. So you guys gonna... are going to head in uh, anyway, regardless of your, your stay right now? I'm not. I, I yeah, told them I'm going to the... He's going to the church. I'm just going to disgustingly wave at them and just start... <laughs> oh, you're going on your own. Yeah, yeah three of us oh, are going okay. in. Fair enough. So three of you head in, and uh, Inori is going to strike out on her own to go try to find somewhere else one of these chapels that 
she can get at least somewhat restored because she is exhausted and fatigued and in no state to do anything. So we'll I get to actually do... think I'm going to go with Inori. Okay. Yay, company. Fair enough. You going so... for looking for spellcasting stuff? Yeah, we'll bring Baylor as well. And both of you guys can go on an adventure. So, uh, I will start with the inn, because we're already here. So, Nell and Dara, you head inside to beat your contacts. And like I described at the end of last time, we did we, we briefly retconned because of the, uh, the filth fever thing. As I described last time, you head in. Necessarily in the morning, there's not many people hanging out there. And uh, certainly nobody drinking, save for Valeros back in the corner, who, again, appears to have brought his own tin mug that he's just having refilled. And Mauricio, as obvious as Deschamps said she would be, literally covered in daggers. For a rogue, this seems to you as far from subtle. I believe those are the ones. You're similarly equipped, though. You have Dara, I'm assuming, wearing your chain shirt and everything here, and Nell as well with your breastplate and your yeah. Axe and she. Are you, you're, wearing, you're not wearing the family stuff. You're still wearing the new stuff you found right now. Yeah, I haven't had time to sit down with it. So yeah, with the, the magic breastplate and then the, the war axe and the wall strapped across your back, you two march in here in full obvious soldier gear. It's pretty evident. And uh, as you enter, they turn to you and uh, Valeros raises his mug up towards you with one hand, and literally waves with his other with a huge smile on his face. Very still rolls her eyes. I'm gonna go walk over to the bar and get myself a bit, what, a bit of what he's having. Something to wake me up in the morning. I don't know if that's what Vera's gonna do, but we'll take it. So you head over and get yourself a drink. Uh, it's just a copper for a mug. And Dara, I'm assuming, is just gonna go straight over. Yeah, he's just gonna get If I know the all business Assyrian like I think I do. Oh, yeah. He's going to meet him. So you head over as you sit down, and uh, Valeros over here is still grinning. Appears to be at least moderately intoxicated at what's gotta be 8 30 in the morning already. You sit down, he looks at you, looks over at Nell at the bar, and then back at Dara, and puts his mug back down the table. Oh, they were gonna be Moria! And there was four, five, and he looks over, kind of turns towards Mauricio, confused, and she turns uh, from Dar over to Valeros with four. What's the rest of your team? Um, unfortunately, a couple of them seem to be uh, not feeling well. One especially bad, and so she's going to the church to feel better. Um. They should be back soon. He is, like your friend here, getting a drink. Though, I agree, it is too early for it. And he kind of rubs his chin. Says, I assume we're talking sick, sick, and not just the sniffles here. Just stop by the Cathedral of Coins. Should we wait for them before we start discussing plans? It might be best. Uh, and yes, it is... Uh... What's it called again? Trash fever? Filth fever. Filth, Filth fever. fever. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the same. Yeah, I knew yeah. something garbage related. With, I mean, you could call it trash fever, because, I mean, Dara's probably not a medical expert. That'd be yeah. the same kind of mind he has. Like, what was it, trash fever? Yeah. That's Some sort point. of uh, disgusting trash fever. And, uh, Michelle shakes her head, and Valeros puts his arms up one. Hey! Filth fever! 
That's not an adventure if you haven't contracted that 12 different times. And the, uh, that is the one. A couple of people, he's not quiet at all. And a couple no. of people just kind of throughout the end just kind of shiftily look at him and then turn back either amused or somewhat off put. It's not like this is the highest of establishments, but it's a little early in the morning for this level of enthusiasm. At no, this point, I'll uh, definitely have to your drink and head back over to the bench. He looks at the group and he's like, alright, so I see two men with some big armor and big weapons. What else are we dealing with? Um, we lady have two... with not big armor. Yes, uh, we have two more that are, uh, they cast magic, one of them exclusively, the other one uses a blade, but neither of them, uh, particularly clad in anything heavy. Wizards! Fantastic! I love wizards! Wizards get shit done! And he takes a big drink from his mug, and, uh, as he's just chugging, Mauricio turns to the two of you. This is a magic will certainly be an aid. We've scoured the place out a bit. It might be somewhat difficult to get in. We're gonna need some kind of a distraction or a way to quickly take down the guards patrolling around the outside. We should be able to do that uh, somewhat easily, as long as there's not too many eyes on us. It is the Crownsgate district. It's not the highest bar of places, but openly finding out in the streets is sure to attract attention. Regardless of what side we're on here, if the guards are called, the group that's attacking the merchant's warehouse is surely going to be seen as the offenders. Of course. Wouldn't it be possible to get the guards on our side ahead of time? Possibly let them know what's happening so that they wouldn't come and interfere? Valoros slams his mug down. See, that's what I said. I said we should start off trying to get some legal help. Because it's the Brotherhood, right? It's a thieves' guild in there. Surely the Whitehall is familiar with them and can give us some assets to help investigate the place. And uh, the Mauricio just immediately before he continues. But it's a hostage situation, and they're not just the thieves' guild, they're cold killers. If you want your Lady Lothied back, we're not going to want to attract too much legal attention before we're hitting in there. These kinds of groups want to stay under the table, and if it's down to cutting their losses and pulling out, it's what they'll do. Well, that, that's why I'm saying if we let the guards know there might be trouble, but it's private. Not to bother she, interfering. She shakes her head. I think... It's generally best we try not to draw the constable's attention at all. We don't want them looking this way, because it's going to get very rowdy outside with a you and I imagine Valeros swinging swords about if it comes to blows outside the warehouse. It's going to be difficult to bribe a force as big as what patrols Apara, or for us to take the time to get high up enough to bribe someone who matters. If we had more time, perhaps, but... Again, with the hostage on the line. I see your point. Hmm. I agree. And so Valeros jumps back in again. So it's a smash and grab, but emphasis on the grab. Apparently less the smash. At least till we get inside. So, I understand none of you have been inside the warehouse. We don't know what's inside. don't know what we're dealing with. Hmm. No, we have not. All we know about it is that it's a supposed safe house for... Uh, for Lothied, which brought us the idea that 
she might be stuck inside of her safe house and not a hostage. They might not actually have her. See, that's what we were told. The safe houses are always interesting because you don't just get to go in a slapping. You also got to worry about defenses. This lady's a spy master, I understand. Sort of a roguish kind of type, a mastermind. I, I don't know. The shop wasn't entirely clear, but she seemed to hold her in fairly high regard, so she's got to have some amount of wits about her. And Maria still speaks up again, which means that she'll probably have something prepared in case of an invasion. They may not have her. She may still be safe in the safe house, but whatever she has defending it, if she's kept them out, is going to be just as hostile to you as it is to them. Yes, and it worries me that with them being the roguish types, they've probably set up more traps of their own. Agreed. So it won't be as simple as kicking a door down and heading in blindly. But unfortunately, it may have to come to that. We've no way to get vision inside unless your wizards can help us out, so we don't know what the situation is inside the warehouse. Another addition to Lady Lothied, the shops also said there may be employees of the warehouse. Now, I'm less concerned about them, as they're not important assets unless you care for whatever reason. I'd rather innocents weren't harmed, but we're dealing well, with... Well, of course, we're not going to go out of the way to kill them, but <laughs> in an operation like this, sometimes you have to settle for acceptable losses. Indeed. We do need to get the... What is the priority out? You need Lothied. You don't need merchant goods. Precisely. Saving merchants tends to be pretty profitable, though. It could be, but not at the risk of the entire party. Of course not. And a Thalarus speaks up again. See! I'm... We, we, we didn't do names. I, I'm Valeros. This is Mauricio. You two. Thalarus. Uh... And I'm assuming you're Nell. Indeed. I got that. You got the noble look about you. I know one of you is a noble. I'm with Nell. I don't think that we could smash in here if it, as much as I want to just go. She told us not to just go. And beyond that, if it's putting lives at risk, we need some sort of a plan. So here's the thought we've come up with so far. The shops doesn't want us getting directly involved. She doesn't want the Pathfinder Society to have any proper tie to whatever this is happening because it's kind of behind the scenes and it's not related. So we're not going to go in. What we're going to do is divert. And uh, Mauricio continues, we'll draw the attention of the guards outside. Valeros is perfectly skilled in the art of unsubtlety, so we'll make a big obvious attempt to break into the warehouse on one end while you sneak in the other. It seems wise. Again, the problem comes up that we don't know what's inside. And we've looked at the building. You've got plenty of possible entrances. Uh, on the southern end, there is the warehouse loading bay. I can't imagine that door is going to be easy to open from the outside. And even if it is, it's going to be the farthest thing from subtle. Those doors are massive. They're meant for loading freight onto carts. However, the north and southern end of the warehouse both are lined with personnel doorways. They haven't been there for long, so I doubt they've had the time or even would bother with the effort to string up traps on every single one of them. That's why they're relying on a patrol outside. If they had some sort of reliable contingency, they wouldn't bother making their presence known with visible guards. As far as distractions go, 
do you know anything about the the local buildings? Is it just a warehouse district? The area is fairly simple. Yes, it should mostly be storehouses along the docks and just fishermen shacks. Nothing much that'll be of use or of trouble, really. The good side, the good news about it being in Crown's Gate is that the guards don't go to that much effort to send patrols out there. It's too much work for what it's worth. If we happen to find the right type of building nearby, do you think a fire might be a good distraction? Draw people away from where we're going to be. This you know? just giant idiot grin spreads on Valoros's face. And Marisol's looking at you, but she notices it just slowly turns and glares at Valoros. <laughs> it, just, it just gets bigger. And she turns back and shakes her head and says, again, we don't want the constabulatory involved. We don't want anything that will draw them to the area. We can handle the distraction. Don't worry about that. Something tells me Valoros might be in on that idea whether she likes it or not. <laughs> All I'm saying is if we got the opportunity to start a big-ass fire without hurting anybody, who would pass that up? Who? That's how I look at it. And Rachel is just in the corner. Actually, just rubbing your temples. I says, well, I suppose it's up to you. If you, this is your operation, we're just... Here to help, but I strongly advise against it. I see no benefit. But we should Subterfuge. wait for your friends before we get to the details of what exactly we're doing. Yes, I agree. Subterfuge is not my specialty, as you can very clearly tell. So, Baylor and Anori, as you start to head down the road, the Cathedral of Coins you heard about is, again, just immediately there. Uh, are you heading to the... Cathedral of Avatar, or trying to go further down to the House of Dawn's Redemption? Uh, my plan was to go to the House of the Dawn's Redemption. Fair enough. So you start to head down the uh, the main road of Canal Row, uh, going back down towards the south. Uh, towards, the, uh, towards the Grand Bridge, leading down across the river to the other neighboring port. Uh, and as you pass the main square here, this main intersection of roads by the Cathedral of Coins. You see that the area has uh, been largely cleared of traffic, and there's a preacher standing on a small podium they've dragged out in front of the main front steps of the Cathedral of Coins, who is speaking the psalms and prayers of Abadar out to a decently sized gathered crowd. That uh, seems to be a surprising amount of aristocrats and noblemen that have been pulled around for Canal Row. A lot of people that have come over from the western side, the more richer side of the city. And as you approach, this becomes very obvious to you because the man's voice is not just ringing out from his podium. It's ringing out from every corner of the square uh, as if there was like a, a speaker or something just projecting the man's voice out around. So it rings throughout this entire intersection where this crowd is gathered and he speaks of how Abadar's favor will guide the populace of Apara through these difficult times and each act of true evil is balanced by a million more of goodness and faith and continuing on about how the very wealth flowing through the veins of Apara is proof of Abadar's favor 
and uh, mentioning that they have temporarily converted a section of their main chapel around the back to provide free counseling services to any who had lost loved ones in the events at Senate Hill. And you pass by down further towards the Grand Bridge to the House of Dawn's Redemption, which is much less extravagant than the Cathedral of Coins. Again, it's a Kadiran-style building with two rose gold, almost pink domes mounted on either side. It kind of looks like a scaled-down Taj Mahal, almost. That's sort of Kadiran-style. There's a central church of healing, and like... The other major churches and cathedrals here around Apart has several entrances. Uh, one for two main chapels in either wing beneath these large domes, and another for business straight into the front. And you would both know living here that that's where you would go if you need to contact clerics about any sort of uh, spell casting or church services. Uh, this looks like a fine establishment, Bellar. It'll suit. There's much less crowded than the Cathedral of Coins, that's to be sure. Well, let's let's get in there. I feel like shit. After so as you. you as what? you head into the building, uh, you're welcomed inside by a single cleric who currently seems to be dealing with a, a pair of commoners, much more disheveled lower class that look like they've actually come out of the narrows. I mean, we're talking like actually ragged, dusty, torn, sad clothing, best they can afford, kind of super, super rundown couple that are talking to him. And uh, she welcomes you and uh, asks your patience and as she resolves this matter. Sure thing. Take your time. I'm just going to sit here and continue trying to not die. So as you said, you uh, you take a seat and continue trying to not die. <laughs> Which fortunately in your career, you're fairly good at at this point. Uh, but she's over at the other side talking to these two. And uh, there, there, there's nobody else that really passes around for a while. And you wait for a few minutes and eventually she stands up and walks the two commoners out towards the door. And you can't hear anything they're saying. They're talking in a very low voice as they discuss. And she pats the uh, the man on the back and nods her head, makes a quick prayer gesture. And the two of them seem to be thanking her before they head outside. And then she turns around towards you and approaches. And this is a clearly Kadiran woman. And she approaches with her arms wide and says, uh, Welcome to the House of Dawn's Redemption. I'm Lila. How can I assist you? Did you... She uh, looks at Inori, who, again, clearly looks like something is very wrong here. Are you in need of our healing services? I think I might be. Uh, a friend of mine told me I might have contracted what they call... Filth fever. Filth fever. Uh, I'm Inori, by the way. My head's all over the place. That's my friend, uh, Balor. And she uh, smiles and nods to both of you in time. Or both of you in turn. It says it's unfortunately a very common affliction that a lot of people here contract, especially coming out from the eastern part of town. 
it's dangerous. It can be deadly if uh, untreated, and you are right to come here and seek aid. I've seen it at work once or twice in my day. It's definitely not pretty. Uh, if I may, we will need to briefly in, in, in inspect you unless you... I see he and she gestures to Baylor. Seems to be clearly trained in magic. If you know what it is you are after, I can assist you. But I would highly recommend that you let me look you over and make sure that I can divine what type of healing is right for your situation. I'm not shy, sure. And so she uh, she leads you back through a doorway into a small, what almost looks like a really minor clinic in the back, uh, but with just very little actual medical equipment, uh, where you would normally see uh, trays of tools or various instruments. I imagine things like stethoscopes still exist. Those aren't a complicated object. Uh, it's just a shrine in each little area and various racks of candles, incense, and holy symbols of Saren Ray. Uh, clearly, this is just simply magical healing. Uh, nothing of ordinary doctoring is done here at all. Clearly. And, uh, <laughs> she leads you back and into one of those rooms and draws a curtain across the front. Uh, just a bright red, uh, slightly gold uh, inlaid curtain with some designs of the dawn flower, which is just this this growth of a bed of flowers emerging into one massive flower that appears to contain the entire sun in its center. It's just a pretty standard average church of Saren, right? The House of Dawn's Redemption actually is notable in that there's almost nothing notable about it. It's as generic as a place could get because they had to make it like that. They could, they could barely get a church of Serenray into Apara after not that many years ago the worship of Serenray was outlawed. They had to make it incredibly basic and obvious to the very frequent inspectors they have come by that nothing here is amiss. And she has you mm -hmm. waiting there. And you wait for another few minutes before a male cleric enters and uh, extends a hand. Says, ah, greetings. Uh, nice to meet the both of you. Just uh, apologize about the situation, of course. And no need. As long as I can get fixed up, I'll, I'll be happy as a something that would be happy in this situation. <laughs> I'm sent to this. Uh, I'm just going to check you over very briefly and determine what we can do to help your situation. Filth fever is very debilitating, but calm, and I imagine it'll be a fairly simple matter, matter to at least treat the symptoms. Now, the bad news is, it is, is this, it's a disease that must very largely be fought off yourself. In order to purge it entirely from your system with magic, it's a, a very powerful spell is required, a powerful and relatively expensive one. Unfortunately, it's not simple for us to provide. Spells of that level, we actually have to bring the Dawn Mother herself down, and her time is very well needed elsewhere. It's may have to wait a few days if that is what you need. But, and he starts to look you over, and as he's saying this, he's just kind of like a, tilting your head back and checking your pulse and looking in your eyes with a, a small glass and 
as he does. It doesn't seem that it's set in terribly far. Uh, you're, you're showing symptoms that appear to be a lot worse than what the disease is actually doing. And I can treat this fairly easily by having a simple lesser casting of a restoration spell. Uh, anything to get me back on my feet. Now, you're still going to feel tired. You still may feel a little bit slow, but this should make you overall... Uh, you should feel much better now. Now, that is, uh, these magics are fairly simple. We usually do a 60 gold tithing for a casting of this. Sounds fair. I do know that all of the gold that you contribute to Saren right here is poured back into the community. Is It allows us to provide services such as these to, in times of need, hire additional clerics or even proper physicians. And, of course, into our outreach programs, uh, helping out where we can. Uh, can I uh, sense motive on that? Yeah. Can absolutely sense motive on the church guys. I mean, money's going to change shit. Motive of the church. Hmm. What'd you get? Oh, I got a 24. Right, so, so with a, a 24, you feel like he's not like outright lying to you or anything, but he's more or less just reading a script. It's not a thing that is meant to specifically be 100% accurate so much as it is not technically a lie, and it's just placating. You're sure like that at least some of this goes into some payroll or expanding the church or whatever, but he's, he's not technically lying to you. Okay. Like, yeah, we definitely as... try to get some of it there. As long as it's some. <laughs> so, uh, who's got 60 gold? I got 60 gold. Alright, so take 60 gold off your sheet, and he's gonna cast a spell on you. Uh, it'll be fairly brief. And after he is done, you gain two constitution back. So you're just down one dex and one con. And that brings you up three health, so your max 18 goes back up, or your max health goes back up to 18 instead of 21. So you're only missing a bit now. Uh, and that's complete. Uh, as he finishes this uh, brief spell, it takes him a few a uh, few seconds to cast. It says, "Well, the bad news with the filth fever, like I said, is it's largely on the person's immune system to fight off itself. Now, there isn't much we can offer with this, but I would recommend that you find an alchemist or even a simpler store." uptown uh, could probably provide you with some kind of uh, an anti-plague. Uh, I personally always recommend there's a store called the Golden Alembic up in Rodin's View by the main chapel uh, on the western end of town. I'm sure you know the place. I imagine she would. You're familiar with the uh, Basilica of the Last Man, yeah? It's the it's the giant chapel on the map over here. <laughs> it's it's very large. But like I said, I always recommend that uh, 
any of the patients that are suffering from anything such as this and searching for basic anti-plague head up there. It's uh, run by an ASMR Carol Mile, I believe his name is. I've never known him to do anyone wrong. Uh, beyond that, there are some general stores. Uh, you could check out Elena's Dry Goods. Uh, it's just down the road here in Canal Road. But that'll help you fight this off. You may find yourself in need of additional castings of this restorative magic before you're able to shake off this illness in its entirety. And if you are, of course, feel free to come back and we'll provide magic in, in what way we can. But the best thing you can do to help yourself is those anti-plagues. Sounds like a plan. I appreciate your assistance, and I think I'm going to head on over there right now. Have a uh, price range on those anti-plagues? I sure do. Let me just consult my pocket internet device that tells me how much common goods are that I know because I am a citizen of Apara that has lived here and referred <laughs> many people to this place that I am currently referring you to 50 gold. Jesus Christ. Alchemy is not cheap, yo. 50 gold if you get the simpler brands. I know Elena carries those, but again, I very much do recommend that you consult with the proper alchemist up in Golden Alembic. His are 60, but again, in a situation like this, do not underestimate what Filth Fever can do. I've seen too many lives lost to something like this. This is not the kind of place you want to cut corners. Right. Besides, if you're stuck struggling through this disease for a week, every time you have to come back here, you'll be spending that much anyway. It's better to spend it to try to fight the root cause. I understand. Well, I'm going to be on my way then. Got places to be, things to do. Thanks again for all your help. The Dawnflower's doors are always open to you. May the sun guide your path. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks. <laughs> it just kind of waves them <laughs> off and pushes the curtain aside and heads out on her own. Thanks for so, the healing. See you. Question to you gentlemen here yes. and all of you. Yeah. Is this still rolling at like one FPS to you guys? No. no. It's all right to me. So you know this pain. <laughs> all right, you guys head out of the House of Dawn's Redemption. Where are you headed? I'd like to head to uh, the his his recommendation, the 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 man, the well, alchemist can, man. Yeah, you can head to Golden Alembic. You know of a couple places. Roll me knowledge local. Either of you that have it. I always I don't remember if you do. I always feel like an already should, but I don't actually know if you do. Yeah, it's messed up. Like I should, but it's not something that's. That's okay, we'll get Baylor's. I know Opara pretty well. I got a yeah. 21. A 21, you would know of a couple other options. Uh, you know of the Golden Alembic. And you know that it is pricey. But uh, it's a place that is frequented by a whole lot of the upper class, the nobles and aristocrats here. Of course, being up on Aridin's view, it's a pretty high-end place. You know that they do good services, but for a basic thing like an anti-plague, you don't, like, you, you understand more of what an anti-plague is. You're a wizard. You both are wizards. You, you have some understanding. It's may not have alchemical knowledge, but it's not actually, like, a magical thing at all. It's just, it's basically, like, NyQuil, but Galarian. I mean, I do have craft alchemy, too. Oh, do you? Yeah. 
Can you oh, so you, you definitely know this is not yeah. something that you necessarily need a super high-end one. You know of another specific alchemist in town if you wanted to head there instead. The upside, it's gonna be cheaper. The downside, it's on the edge of the Narrows, actually. Over here. Right by the edge of the Narrows and Eastport. It's a place simply called Potion Masters. Oh, God, yes. Um, and they really only sell most of these kind of uh, alchemical implements. Uh, generally, you can't even get actual magical potions there. This is exactly oh. the kind of thing they exist for if you're looking to spend less money. How much go. less, though? You could get an anti-plague there for 40 gold. Market price, market value of an anti-plague is 50 gold. If you buy it from like a general store or something, you're going to be on 50. It's going to be 60 at the Golden Olympic and 40 at Potion Masters. So, Baylor, did you just think? Oh, I'm yeah. feeling a little bit better. We're pals, right? I would say so. It's not that if Baylor even mentions this. If Baylor thinks this is a bad idea, he's the one who knows about this. He could just not even bring it up and you guys could go to the Golden Olympic. Well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm feeling like shit, too. It is true. You are also sick. Okay. Well, I mean, we can go there. It's it's risky and all that. Uh, anyway, you have a little extra gold on you. I'm running kind of light after that. How late? Well, let me check my pockets here. I have twenty. Minori kind of sarcastically digs through a pocket and pulls out a. A platinum and a little handful of gold and silver pieces. I have twenty dollars. So you need me to front you twenty gold. Well, I mean, it would only be twenty, and we're you know I'll keep you alive in the narrows. <laughs> I mean, it's a Is fair it trade. potion masters then. <laughs> we, I mean, we do have. We're in a bit of a hurry right now. We do have stuff we got down in those ruins that we could sell later. Yeah, I do have But I have I have an extra 20 to send your way if you would like to go hit up Potion Masters. Well, I mean, I am in I'm in for Potion Masters. I've done, I've done business over in this area before. It's not the it's not a place for you though. Are you okay with going over here? I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, that settles it. Potion Masters it is. So the two of you head off to the eastern, less wealthy end of town here. And uh, even passing down the far street up here, you can hear the uh, roaring cheers coming from the Aparn Arena as whatever event is going on this particular day is happening right down to the south. And you approach the Narrows. You haven't actually come this far over yet. This is Opara's poorest district, and as you can even see on the map here, it's more of a health hazard than an actual district. The only roads are the roads that encircle the Narrows itself. Uh, not even simple streets pass in the middle, just footpaths that have been beaten by sheer wear. Guards don't even patrol the Narrows. At least not alone, not in pairs. If they have a reason to go in, they go in in force, bringing full patrols, uh, often even supplemented by actual Talden military, to head in. 
Because it's it's not even a place that's worth the time. It's like, they're not going to walk in there alone. What are they even going to do? <laughs> this is a wretched hive of scum, villainy, and exceptional poverty. It's a place that exists. Baylor, in your efforts to get into the political arena here, you would even be familiar with a couple of senators that have recently been trying to get approval to literally build a wall between oh the God. Grand Bridge District and the Narrows to just keep the unsavory sorts out. The smell hits you before the sights do. There's very little public resources in the Narrows. There's hardly plumbing and refuse and sometimes even bodies just lie openly in the muddied pits that serve as its streets for days before anyone bothers to come through. Potion Masters, fortunately, is on the outside. It is a very small wooden building with a sign out front with nothing more than the word on it and a single door leading inside. Oh, this looks, this looks promising. Oh, and I have map icons too. I can make a map icon. Beep. Shall we? No time like the present. Don't feel like getting mugged out here. And we do need to hurry back. So, so as you head inside, it's, it's fairly small. Uh, you can see the two halflings that look like they're related seem to run the place. Uh, one of them is sitting behind the counter just reading through a magazine with their bare, hairy feet up on the table next to a variety of their dusty wares. And one of them is back in the corner, and, and as you enter, the door opens, seeming to very, very quickly be trying to stuff something inside a leather pouch before you notice. <sighs> and the, uh, the woman finishes stuffing this satchel and opens a drawer, throws it in, and slams it shut. Uh, the guy doesn't even look over to acknowledge you. He's just reading his magazine. The woman walks up to the counter and just kind of nods. What you want? Uh, Anti-plague. Two. If you got him. Eddie Gold. I'll pull out 60. She, uh, she reaches down uh, and starts opening uh, cabinets underneath and you can hear some rumbling and clattering of glass and clay as she roots around. I'll pull out 60 and reach for Inori. Yeah, I'll hand, I'll hand him my uh, 20. So she pulls out two bottles uh, that have a very, very simple label on them that just has a picture of a green rat with a red X over it. It appears to be made for people who can't read. There's not a word on the label. Easily understood by the peasants. She's going to point at it and be like, convenient. It's very simple and has no markings or uh, detail on it whatsoever. But... One of the labels is 
actually like ripped halfway off the bottle. The other one appears to be intact. They are very s- simple little muddy porcelain flasks. Um, is it is it spellcraft to make sure this is the legit stuff? How would we craft alchemy? Craft alchemy this isn't sure. a person, right? Well, I don't know. We don't want to probably do that outside. <laughs> because you have to actually like open it up and test it, basically. Well, I'll hand over the 80 gold from between the two of us. And you put the 80 gold on the, ta- on the counter, and she just kind of sweeps it off the table into a just actual sack she has hanging off of her belt. Uh, like a almost arm sized just pouch. As you hear it clatter, and it appears to be full of a variety of things that are not coins. She just nods again. Thanks. Oh, grab my potion and let's start walking out. Yep, just grab the bottles out the door. <laughs> and so you head that in, go back outside. Not terribly rude or anything, just very straightforward and just to the point. Yeah, just very to the point. It's fine with me. It's great. We don't want to spend any more time here than we have to. Did you want to craft alchemy these before? (laughs) (laughs) Inori's looking at me like, "Uh, you want to check this? Make sure it's not going to Like, You want to look at this for me? (laughs) I need a craft alchemy check. I'll take a look. Oh, Jesus. What you got? Got a 14. Well, you open it up, and I, again, anti-plague is a fairly common now chemical implement, and this this appears to be anti-plague. Uh, typically, anti-plague has some amount of flavoring in it to stop it from tasting like black tar, but the smell you're assaulted with the second you uncork it tells you they didn't bother in the 40 gold version, but that smell also makes it fairly easy to tell that this seems to be what they said it was going to be. It's just not going to be pleasant to drink. Well then, I'm gonna motion to cheers, bottoms up. I going to cast press to digitate on mine. Good idea. (laughs) Make it taste not like ass. With a quick wave of your hand, make this take taste less like tar and death. And what are we switching it to? Uh. I just make it just like as flavorless as possible. <laughs> just <laughs> neutral. So I know he bottles up and just chugs it and just winces and you just you stop for a second, cast the spell, and then just drink it normally. As she wipes her mouth, like almost retching from the taste, she's gonna look at, at Baylor. You're such a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the kind of person Inori regularly hangs out with, no. I like my life to be not unpleasant. What's wrong with that? She's just going to shake her head. All right, let's, we got to get going. Yeah. <laughs> so you stumble over back towards the hearty mug here to rejoin the rest of the party. And you head inside and join the table with your friends. What was the benefits of the anti-plague, by the way? Um, you get to roll your saving throw tomorrow twice and take the better one. Awesome. Okay, cool. 
So you head back over and you head into the table with Valorous and Mauricio here. What is probably a full solid half hour later of getting around. And at this point, I'd imagine that depending on how much Valorous and Nell play off each other, both might be relatively drunk at this point. Nell may also be down several more copper pieces from Bears. Oh Not boy. sure. That's up to you. Eh, like three. Not enough to get drunk, but certainly feeling hey, the like, alcohol. Nah, we got stuff to do. We're going to keep it on the low here. So you head in, and again, you two are fairly evident. And you're still, I mean, you're still down one con, one deck. So you're still feeling the effects of the filth fever, but not yeah. nearly as severely as you were previously. You sit down at the table, and Valoros brings you up to speed. He finishes off with, so, here's the base, the, that's the basic plan. We run some sort of distraction. You guys are going to head to either the north or the south doors, and best of luck to you. But you got magic, I hear. This one looks like a wizard. You're a wizard. I am a wizard. I know spell books. I know books. And Marie Seal just uh, does like a really brief sarcastic jazz cans. He can even read. So I can <laughs> read. <laughs> she just scoffs. So, what do you think? Sounds pretty good to me. Distraction, get us in there, get the job done. Makes sense. I think our best option now is we head down into the building itself. Uh, we have a decent place we can look from. It's visible from the main road, so we can get an idea of what we're up against without raising too much suspicion. And uh, no immediate response. Marie still chimes in again. Trust me. If I think we can get him up there without a raising suspicion, I'm sure we can get the rest of you. I'm not just... particularly worried about it at this point. Finger guns at her. She's not wrong. Beautiful. Stealth is not my strong suit. <laughs> We're not waiting until night. We're just going to go up there in the daytime. Just a look. Of course, we're not going to go after it, but this spaces out our visits. In this case, if they do notice us, try to run us off or whatever, by the time we head back down to actually try to get into the place, the guard will hopefully have changed and you won't be recognized. All right, I'm game. Trust me, I've done plans like this many times before. It's, the Brotherhood of Silence are interesting in their ways. They're not untrained, but they're not the highest skill of thieves. And Valeros just uh, slams his hand on the table. Right! I almost forgot. Have you fought these idiots before? We have not. Technically, we have. So... One of us has. <laughs> About 50% halflings and 50% etc. I pull a lot from the Narrows. I don't, it's, it's like a cultural thing there. I don't know. A lot of them seem drawn to these kind of groups. And the Brotherhood of Silence is the easiest one for them to join, seeing as they're already so proliferant inside. And Maceal just fucking grins, ooh, big word for you. He's like, I know. So, you look, well, like, relatively capable sorts. I don't know exactly what you're, you've been through, but uh, he just kind of points at Bellor. You don't look like much of a fighter to me. I mean, wizards never do, really, but... I have my abilities. Oh, and what are those, Bellor? Oh, yes, that's probably relevant. What exactly can we do here? 
Do you have a way to see inside this building? That I do not. So we got fireballs, we got lasers. So got lasers. Dragons. I have lasers. I have wooden spears that I throw. Is that even druid? It seems druidy. It does seem druidy. This uh, this sounds like a Tenzin Reseal. What was uh, the gnome? And she says, Leany? Yeah, Leany. It sounds like something she'd do. Or she turns into a cat or whatever. Well, I cannot turn into a cat. That's stands. okay. It doesn't seem like the kind of turn into a cat sort of situation. Does and, it uh, not? Marisio, Might make it easier to get in. Mauricio cuts him off. In terms of things that matter at all, do you have anything that could... Do You have no way to see inside, but your combat cable, that should be fine. We've tangled with the Brotherhood a bit before. They're not, as far as I can tell, particularly powerful. They're common street thugs. If you know how to use your various weapons, you should be more than fine in a fight. I'm hoping it's not going to come to that, of course, but I haven't run into any of them that are particularly trained. This, however, seems like a bit of an operation for them. They may have some sort of leadership on site that's a bit higher up, possibly more dangerous. We believe we know who that is as well. Uh, have you heard of Wasoka the Fantabulous around here? Uh, no, I can't say I have. What the fuck kind of a name is that? The what? <laughs> they are a local entertainer and apparently a ranking officer of the people we're dealing with now, unfortunately. I just kind of laughs. I like the name. I need to give me a title like that. I will be Valeros the Fantabulous. Look at this. Mauricio just smiles and just drops her head, almost hitting it on the table. Well, regardless, I don't I don't know who that is, but if you're familiar with them, you'll know more than we do. Halfling entertainer, very agile. They were into acrobatics and the like, so... Yep. Sounds like assassins. Really a shame. She seemed nice. I thought so too. In fact, now it makes even more sense as why she was positioned up there so close to Luthien all the whole night. Hmm. Oh, so she found Martella before. The puzzle comes together. This makes sense. Regardless, if she's there and whatever she's capable of, once you're inside, we're not going to be able to do much more to help you. So that's going to be on you. You deal with that how you see fit. So, we take a look-see, yes? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Right! And he holds up his mug and uh, stands up and hooks it onto his belt where it just dangles. And uh, it turns and immediately just marches right out of the tavern. Braceal has not moved yet. He's, he just kind of looks at him. Bringing that with him? It's his. He brings it with him everywhere. Oh Does my. he know where he's going? Vaguely, but we should probably make sure he doesn't get lost. Up we go, then. He doesn't fight with it, does he? <sighs> Sometimes. 
<laughs> Fair enough. So the group of you head down over here, uh, near almost to the White Raven. And from the main road here, you can see it's not a terribly long shot down to the river. It's only a little more than a football field away. And the land slopes down a bit towards the manufactured and artificially linear banks of the canal. But you can see the warehouse from up here. And as you approach, Valerios is already there, just kind of standing, actually just fists on his hips, like Superman style, just waiting for you guys. And Mauricio walks up and turns back and just kind of leans against the side of a building. And uh, turns a bit to look sideways down towards the dignified repository. Because like I said, Salty's not a strong suit. But anyway, look down. You can see the building from here. It's labeled, and the outside of it is painted with a huge green and gold title. The words Dignified Repository, very prominent on the front. Uh, from here, the large loading bay is facing you, as well as two other southern doors. The building itself, the whole warehouse, appears to be around 150 feet long and about 100 feet wide. And it's uh, one big L shape. You can see three doors on the southern side, or on the southern side facing down towards you, and they would tell you there's two more on the northern end that lead in from there. Unfortunately, there's not much in the way of windows or anything you can see, and besides a line of fairly short but wide windows lined up almost near the roof, uh, 40 feet up the wall. Not really useful for you to look down into. Two large metal exhaust pipes jut out from the northeastern corner of the building. Ventilation, probably, for the warehouse inside. So as you're looking at it, Michelle kind of just casually turns her head towards the group, which is just also split between largely just lolly lollygagging around in the road with Valeros and just kind of trying to discreetly look down towards the warehouse itself. So as well, if this gives you any sort of divine inspiration. Not sure about divine, but I'm thinking the loading docks might be a good place to enter. If the doors were open, maybe. Haven't seen them open up in the day we've been watching them. Damn. Only movement I've seen is that the change of the guards going in and out that southern door by the loading bin. So it seems to be the main hub of their activity, so we probably don't want to go in that way, but we can't see what's inside. It may just be the most convenient as it's the closest to the road. Nice. How about the ventilation on the roof? Thought about that. Might not be a terrible idea, but you'd have to climb up there first of all, and then we don't know where it's going to lead you. Uh, surely those pipes serve to aerate the warehouse itself when all the doors are sealed, but they may lead down to the main floor, they may lead to a loading bay, they may lead to a basement for all we know. If that's the way you want to go, though, it's risky, but definitely be less guarded, I'm sure. Well, you have an easy way on the, the roof. roof. So. 
If I can get up there, we would have a fairly easy time getting everyone else up there. And the question's getting up there, and getting up there quietly. Clattering around on that metal rooftop is going to make a lot of noise inside if you're not subtle about it. How tall right. is the building? 40 feet. Anything obvious, like on the edges, where a rope could be hooked or tied to? Not really. The roof Didn't is uh, so. pretty much flat metal corrugated sheet. Other than the two exhaust pipes themselves, you don't see anything obvious that you could tie them off to. Uh, leading up to the front of note, there is a about a 20-foot wide driveway that leads up to the loading bay with two little offshoots to the other southern doors. Uh, and that driveway is flanked by several fairly large bushes. The other service entrances don't have any actual road leading toward them, just like a kind of footpath that leads around the outside of the whole repository as a whole. The bushes for cover might be a good idea. If you want to go into the southern side. Northern side lacks cover, but from what I've seen, as I said, it appears to have less activity. Uh, we've seen it's going in and out, though. Again, it just might be the road for convenience. It also leads into the main body of the warehouse rather than the loading bay, so the question is where you want to enter. I mean, the, the main, main area might not be a bad idea. It may have too many people in the main area. Uh, wish I could tell you more about what's in there. And a Valorous jumps in. I mean, hypothetically, if you walk into where all of them are, and then you kill them, you don't have to worry about them taking the hostage down. That is technically not wrong. That's a terrible plan, and you shouldn't do that. But he's not technically wrong. You're kind of playing the high-stakes game there, and from what I understand, you really want this Lady Lothi to save. Indeed. So we should definitely come from the north side. Less activity. That's what I'm thinking. Now, the shop told me this warehouse, again, was in use up until now. So if you're lucky, the warehouse will be full. And if it's full of crates and freight, you'll have plenty of cover to hide and make your way around. Yes. I don't know how well that's going to go, since I'd wager this one's about as sneaky as Valoros, she says, gesturing towards Nell. It's hard Indeed. to sneak at a breastplate. Right. And I've never done many uh, stealth jobs. It's a different kind of task, to be sure. Did you say there were windows on the roof? No, there are windows near the roof. I mean, it's like a standard warehouse. It's 40 feet tall, and there's a line of short but very wide windows, probably like 30, 35 feet up that go almost around the entire outside of the thing. But there's no walkway. Like, he couldn't no, there's no walkway flank the building and, like, snipe in through the windows at people. No, there's us. nothing you can stand on. There's just a okay. light in. That's what I was going for. Well, unfortunately, I don't think there's a whole lot you can learn from looking down at the place, but that's it. And we'll come back at night. If you want to enter through the north, we'll draw them around, away to the south or vice versa. It does work 
both ways is this gives us more room to lead them back in towards town rather than us being stuck by the canal. Right. More are going to be in the south anyway. May as well cause the distraction there. Get exactly. the most attention. Makes sense. So, we'll meet you at this same place at sundown. Do you have anything to attend to? Any supplies you want to gather before this? That'll be the time. Understood. We'll see you then. And she nods and, uh, without saying anything or making any obvious gesture, just kind of turns, uh, picks herself back up from leaning off the side of the building and just walks directly away. Trying not to draw any sort of attention and just act casual. Valeros grins and waves like an idiot as he jogs backwards towards her before turning around and joining her. He's a fun man. Well, well I'm going to go back to my house. I, uh, I'm going to grab something. I need oh, yeah? to off and grab a potion. Um, just something to cover my face. Right, okay. So, what do you guys want to do? Because you did meet in the morning and you're not hitting until evening. So you do have the full day if there's anything you want to buy or look around or prepare. You got Potion a day in a par. Potion of Cure Light Wounds. Not a bad idea. So, Nell wants to go buy a potion. Anyone else want to go do that? Um, I do. How much are yeah. they? <laughs> yeah, how much is Cure Light Wounds? 50. Uh, 50? Okay. Yeah, yeah 50 go. Silver? No. Gold, my dude. Yeah, they have 50 gold. <laughs> we do uh, have a collection of stuff to sell. Yeah, I have things well. to sell. Yeah, you should yeah. have a couple of things to defense. He is concerned. Oh, yeah. I'm carrying 10 pounds of stuff. Oh, well, yeah. Let's, I, do, uh, let's do that. Like, we're, we're, I have a spyglass, uh, the dagger, which I'm going to keep the dagger now, but I have the spyglass and the fan. Um, which I'll give either one to uh, Inori as she helped me uh, get them. And then we can each sell one for our own. Well, who's got a praise? Have you appraised the spyglass in the fan? I believe Nell did, but I'm not positive. You can always try again. I did, but yeah. uh, we can just roll it again. Yeah. We don't have it written writing down. things down when you learn them. It's not on my sheet. It wasn't my job. I mean, fair. Yeah, so I uh, don't remember. So yeah, throw them again for the spyglass in the fan. That's a 19 for the spyglass. The spyglass is worth about 1,200 gold. It's very ornate. Oh. And that's a 23 for the fan. The fan, equally ornate, but a simple silk fan is worth about 300. Okay. Uh, I mean, you take your pick. Thar uh, is not interested. Like, he doesn't need a lot of gold. I mean, it seems only fair that... I mean, I know we stole it and all, but we all did it together. I mean, it's mostly... Maybe we should just divide it amongst all of us, evenly. In addition to those two, we have about 400 gold worth of rubies. Cool, yeah. Oh, and for what it's worth, we didn't have me appraise all the shit that I'm carrying for some reason. You did not, but I have it written down, so if you want to try and appraise your pile of uh, collected artifacts that you've gathered... 22. Uh, if you could find a buyer, it'd probably be about 500 gold for those 10 pounds of artifacts you have. Nice. Um, but yeah, you, you can take a, 
the spyglass and put it on the thing, Dara is currently keeping his own gold on him. I have my own gold currently on him. Uh, yeah, I do the same thing. Just just from when like they uh, we got the shares spread it apart, like you each had seventy five and stuff. He's still carrying that and what he originally had on him. Uh, he'll give you the spyglasses. It's the more expensive thing. The dagger he's keeping to use. It's in the uh, sheath thing in his uh, sleeve now. And then uh, he's gonna go sell the fan if he can. Uh, there was that place that collects artifacts, and I talked to the lady who runs it. I believe. That was actually in Senate Hill, which is still locked down. Okay. I'll just have to. But hold if you're on trying to, to fence a spyglass, uh, there are a couple. Uh, specifically, there's one kind of like a clockwork and mechanical shop that could be interested. Uh, also, there is a higher-end general store that isn't really focused on these kind of things, but you might be able to offload it there, as well as a uh, like a couple cartographers. So what do you think? Who's got knowledge local and wants to start trying to find places to get rid of things? I got Let's you. Let's go. So what are you looking for? We're going to look for, Fuck. Uh, I guess, whatever Dara wants. I, yeah, I want to get rid of the fan, uh, and I do not have knowledge local, so if you can point me to a place. If not, uh, I'll probably just give it to you guys to nice. also go find. So well, I got knowledge 20. local. 20? Uh, so to get rid of the fan, it's just kind of a general thing. Uh, it's fairly well made. You know of a tailor that actually seems perfect for this. Uh, it's a shop called The Silken Den that specializes exclusively in silk craft. And with how well made this fan is, it would seems like it'd fit in per, uh, pretty well. It's up near the Lion's Gate, uh, not far from the White Griffin. And I'll go ahead and put a marker there for you. That's probably your best bet for the fan. What else? Okay. So what would I, I get? I guess the, the spyglass? What do you want to try and sell? You want to go for like a sort of clockwork and antique shop? Or you want to go for a jeweler? You want to go cartographer. for a cartographer? 22. Look at these fucking rolls. So Fair you're nice. going to need a pretty high-end cartographer here but the good news is there's one you've never been here but you know of a place called cherish cartography uh it's up in west uh, it's up near west park on the edge of senate hill it's run by a single person it doesn't have any employees or anything it's a relatively small but very very high-end shop and you know of it through knowing of the man himself uh tudor vulso is very old and he's very, very, very into what he does. Something like this and how high quality it is with how interested he is in the art of map making and cartography himself could be a good shot to offload this as you're getting a buyer who really cares about things. Seems like the way to go. 
So we're splitting, yes? Dara's yeah. heading off to the Silk and Dan to try and sell well, that. If he's heading off to sell things, I'm going to go with him to make sure he doesn't get swindled. Okay, you want to stay with him because you got the appraised skill. So you're going to go with him. You're going to go on selling adventures, stop at a Silk and Dan, and then cherish cartographies on the way back to both of your homes anyway. Did I not put a marker for Dara's house on the map? Was it under the Little Breaker Hill? Uh, there was a marker. It was a crossbow. Yeah, I swear uh, I put one down. Yeah, where'd it go? It's It was supposed to be, uh, like, over this section. Yeah, I, I was positive we had one. Let me get the crossbow again. I'm pretty sure this is the same crossbow we had last time. Yeah, it's a little crossbow. Put it there. Dad loop. That's weird. No. Wait, I don't have control over, do I? I'm going with as well. But maybe I accidentally pulled it. Yeah, of course. So are we? Are we just all going? Is this all Fendering adventure, or Baylor are you off somewhere else? I may as well go and bring up again. We do have those rubies we found, also. You're gonna need a jeweler as well, then. Go ahead and give me one more. Uh, one more knowledge local. Twenty-six. Do you want a, like, super fancy high-end jeweler that you're just trying to sell raw rubies to, or do you want kind of like a uh, middling jewelry store? It's almost 50% pawn shop. Uh, more high-end. Someone who will make something pretty good out of it. If it's raw, I mean. Well, if you want high-end, we're not very far from the Five Kings Mountains, and a large city like this most certainly has your generic uh, dwarven jeweler, uh, dwarven-run jewelry store where they are very focused on what they do. And they got a catchy name for their store, too, The Lord of the Rings. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got hot memes in here, man. Oh, uh, wasn't there an uptown apothecary as well? Yes, that was the Golden Olympic that is over closer to the Basilica of the Last Man over here. And I'll go ahead and put that one down as well. I got the trade-off. If I run Roll20 and Google Chrome, it's super slow and laggy and dice actually roll at a single frame per second. If I do it in Firefox, it takes me a full 15 seconds to be able to edit any text field. I must choose my pain. <laughs> okay, so all of you head together first to the Silken Den. And you walk inside, again, this is a pretty high-end tailor shop, uh, a decent distance from the Lionsgate, over closer almost towards West Park and Senate Hill, where the very upper-class go. And uh, Baylor, I'm, Baylor and Nell both, I'm sure, would have heard of this, just because of its renown. It is quite sought after. Uh, it works mostly on commissions, not having a whole lot of various things immediately on display and available. Because they craft everything here by hand for, uh, like, from scratch entirely. At a really, 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 really high quality. So, as you head in, the front of the store is relatively small. Most of it, of course, is dedicated to the actual areas where they are stitching and crafting the things in the back. The show floor here is sparsely populated as for how expensive everything here is. There's only a few noblemen at the moment. And you see the one proprietor by the counter 
and uh, one employee leading around a couple of nobles elsewhere in the store. Everything here is beyond extravagant. What doing, party? Well, I'm not the one selling around. it. I'm just the one here to make sure he doesn't get cheated. Yeah, Mel just kind of gestures towards in, uh, Inori, or Dara, rather. I'm not very good at this. Uh, if you're here, I would like your help at least. I'm not the one for haggling. I was just, uh, as you recommended this place existed, I was just going to bring it here. But uh, if you had to come with me, as I might not be swindled, then hopefully you'll deal with it as so. No one is swindled. Alright, well, I will take it and walk over to, I suppose, whoever looks like they've got plenty of experience. I, I assume all of them, but somebody who looks like they've been here a while. Uh, I mean, there's exactly two employees. One of them's busy. The other one that welcomes okay. you as you walk in behind the table. Um, and as you approach her, says, Welcome to the Silken Den. As there anything you'd like to commission or simply look around our wares? Well, neither. Uh, we actually have something that we believe you might be interested in purchasing from us. And here up at the front, the counter is also a display case near the front, and it has several small implements and trinkets, including a couple other silken fans. So you pull out yours and put it on the counter. And she looks at it, and that's clearly, again, very, very well made. And she uh, nods, a bit taken aback, and uh, may I inspect this? Of course. And she picks it up and just kind of holds it very gently in her hand and turns it over and looks at it and says, this is spectacular craftsmanship, I must say. Where did you... Was this an inheritance or a gift or... Well, this was actually taken from... And I will tell her where it was from because I don't remember exactly where we got it, but I'm sure my character would... You stole it. You stole it. <laughs> you, you're literally telling yeah, the person you're trying to sell this to that we stole it. Oh, no. I thought that it. this is what we got it from. No, I the spyglass and the fanner and the dagger. Oh, just I thought we were selling it. the ruby. I no, thought no, this no, is no. the ruby. You definitely stole this. Okay. That's why I'm sorry. Yeah, no, we stole this from Silent Hall. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, you going to give me for? We were opening up a display at the museum, and we thought it'd be funny to take it before it got opened and anybody saw it. It no. looked pretty valuable, so now we're selling it. I yeah. thought I was trying to sell the no. ruby, and I, believe, no, I thought we got this from down in the dungeon. You were selling a silk fan. Okay. Okay, so silk fan. So, what do you actually say? So, I will say that this has been in my family's generation for a while. Um, recently, we've made some changes to how we wanted things done with our like our, our house symbol and whatnot, and we found this old thing but we just don't really have a, uh... And uh, Nell is just as much as you are kind of stumbling yeah. through trying to over-explain making up where this came from really quickly. So why don't you roll me a uh, fluff check real quick? Of course uh, the dice would fail me now. That's a four. 
And she just kind of looks at you and raises an eyebrow. Just I'm not very, very good at explaining things, and, I'm sorry. And looks back at it, she says, it's it's fine, it's no particular concern, it's just it's interesting. It's, it's very rare to see something come through the city that wasn't of our own make of such quality. And, uh, why don't somebody make me a perception check real quick? I'll all you make me a perception checks real quick. Damn, that's a one. One better. I got a nat one. Other than the nat one, the rest of you would hear, uh, coming from the back, what appears to be barking puppies. Like they sound like very, very young puppies. Oh, what like, are you doing? But like four or five of them. And it's really, it's really, really subtle. So like Nell doesn't notice it. And it, uh, it calms down very quickly. And she's looking over. She just says, but if you don't want to, you don't have to tell the the, the thing's story. It's that's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, yes, this is spectacular. Uh, unfortunately, my only concern is that most of what we sell here, in fact, nearly everything uh, that I passed the door on, see fit to put our mark on, we've actually crafted here. Uh, this is a, again, it's it's exquisite, but I don't know that it's something I would want to sell necessarily. Well, I can understand that, I suppose. Um, Are those puppies I hear back there? I hear puppies. <laughs> And she uh, just smiles briefly and says, oh, oh, are you, none of you have been here before. I don't recognize your faces. I'm very sorry. Where are my manners? I've been distracted by this this fan. I'm Vinia Rusala. I'm the proprietor here. Do you, are you familiar with the Silicon Den? Only Not in name. Myself. Um... You, but she just kind of likes you over like she's thinking for a second. You you seem a adventuring sort. I, I take it you're not terribly squeamish. But it's very interesting how we work. I'm not squeamish at all, personally. Well, if you'd like, I can give you the brief tour. I do not mind. This, this might help you understand why this is a interesting to me uh, and she calls the other play Amelia will you hold the shop for a moment I'm going to show them to the back and she just calls back and uh, turns and raises a hand and nods and goes back to time to know that she's going and uh Rusala leads you around the counter and through a door into a hallway leading to the back and the hallway is furnished with a line of banners and tapestries more silken goods exclusively silken goods leading to a back door uh, that has a pretty hefty lock on it. There's a couple offshoot doors going down the hallway, but you pass all these to the back, and she pulls a small golden key out of a pouch and unlocks the door. And uh, before she opens it, she just quickly wraps twice on it and then very slowly opens it. And it's pretty dark inside. The rest of the shop so far has just been lit by the light streaming through the windows, but there appear to be no windows at all in this back area. Just a small amount of uh, candles scattered around that keep it fairly dim. And you can hear the puppies much louder back here. 
And she gestures you all to go through the door. Dar will go in. I'm nervous. I will follow. As you head into the back of the silken den here, you see something interesting. The room is mostly barren, other than a pair of tables on either side of the room with, again, the candles on them that are providing the only light. There's a small wooden pen built into the door on the or built into the wall on the closest side, in which is five or six assorted mutt puppies. They don't appear to be from any sort of a shared litter or anything. They're just all kinds of random just puppies. A few of them, though they are energetic, are visibly disfigured. One's missing an eye, another a leg. One's barely got half of its fur on its body. One of them doesn't really appear to be able to move its back legs at all. On the far side of the room is a pile of silken pillows and cushions covered in thick ropes of webs. And as you enter, you see slowly crawling out from this nest long, almost emerald spider legs. And this, it's a big friend. The spider crawls up onto the top of the cushions and sort of turns its body so that its eyes are facing you. And Risala, beaming, nods towards the spider and then turns to the party as you enter and says, this is Stephanie. She's the true master here at the Silken Den. All of our work is thanks to her. Hmm, I see. And the spider... Kind of, it's sort of an awkward move. Pushes its front four legs out further so that the front of its body kind of tilts down, almost like it's bowing. And then you hear a, uh, like a clicking as it moves its fangs. As far as law goes, is this illegal? In this no! No, of course. The White Hall is fully aware of what we do. We wouldn't freely give tours of the place if there was anything wrong. Stephanie here provides us with incredibly high-quality silk. Uh, we rescued her, actually. She was... And she kind of stops for a minute. I believe kept as either a curiosity or an icon or something. She came from a coven of druids that unfortunately no longer exists. And though she has no proper mouth which with, this, which, with which to speak... Stephanie here is as intelligent as you or I. It seems so she good. knows that she's a fucking monster then. And the spider kind of turns towards you and stops bowing and just sort of sinks down like it's either almost embarrassed or ashamed. And uh, Rusala frowns and says she's well aware of her form, yes. I don't know what happened in, with the druids and her, but she's been given sentience. And as long as we keep her here fit, happy, and fed, she is more than pleased to provide us with all the silk we require for our wares. At the expense of these innocent animals. And she shakes her head. It's a shame of sorts, but you've seen the size of a par, and if you've been to Crown's Gate of the Narrows, which I far from blame you if you haven't, these rogue litters are a dime a dozen. In fact, the 
streets, if you can call them that, of the Narrows are lined with those who don't make it. Many there, unfortunately, use them for their own ends, testing, just pitting them against one another. They're destined for worse fates. There is no shortage of dogs here in the city, and those who seek a pet, even if everyone were to go for these, there's still going to be dozens and hundreds that are left unsaved. And look at what we have here. No one would adopt these. They're given quick, painless deaths. Almost assuredly better than what they'd face alone in the streets of Apara. It's no worse than simply recycling what none want. Exactly. It's unfortunate, but... It is in the nature of the spider to require their meals to be living. They can't simply eat aged and salted meats as you or I. Dar will, uh... Try not to noticeably sigh, but nod. All things must eat. I understand. Uh, I can't believe the reaction you guys are just like okay with this. She's like making eye contact with everybody right now. Like someone side with her here is what she's looking for. Inori, if it were chickens, would you feel the same way? Many animals are farmed in far worse conditions than this, and it's we don't breed the dogs here. We simply take those lost among the streets and errant litters. It is an unfortunate fate, but as your friend says, many animals face much worse lives than these. Raised and prepared their entire lives simply for the slaughter. Can you not say that if you were hungry enough, you too would have to eat dogs? I see no harm Jesus in this. Christ. When have you ever been hungry in your life, dude? It's survival. It's not about hunger. This is a way of taking things that no one wants. Andrew, and trying to get Rizal into puts her hands up. She says, I, I apologize. This, this may have been a mistake, but this, uh, if you will follow me, we can return uh, back to the storefront and discuss your fan. Of course. And uh, as you all, I presume you, you go. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to wait. Make yeah. sure everyone leaves. And as you all leave, you see her turn, and she bows towards Stephanie, and Stephanie kind of, like, nods her head a bit and crawls back down to the nest. And she closes and locks the door behind her. And as you get back to the front, she gets, uh, she goes back behind the counter. She seems to be much more business now, and she, uh... Well, the fan is of great make, and I I could sell it as a curiosity, I'm sure. I could give you 200 gold for it. And how much did I say it was for? It says if you could find a proper buyer, I mean, you could probably get 300, but you don't know yeah. if that'd be you could sell it somewhere better than this. I don't think I, we should sell it here. I would look back at everyone and nod, saying, I, I think that's okay. I am fine with this. I don't, fi- I'm not fine with it. <laughs> Dar will uh, put well, a hand Nori. on Nori's shoulder and try that's to lead point. her outside. Nori is, is clearly a little upset. I mean, it's getting the attention of the other couple of nobles around here that are just sort of looking a little. Worried that there is something happening in what is a very high-class establishment. You did say you would feel odd about selling something that was not made by you. Could you perhaps instead point us to somewhere that might? I, with the age and 
make of this fan? I don't know where I could direct you to sell it other than as a curiosity. Uh, as I said, it it's not something that's never happened before. Uh, we, of course, sell a, a small assortment of other things, and it, it does fit. It's something that I could... Uh, it's of good enough make, I wouldn't be offended putting it on our shelves, but I... I, I took you back there because we, we try to limit our wares as much as we can to the makings of Stephanie's weave. It is a hallmark as it is. But I could certainly sell this as a curiosity here in this, in this, this counter display. I see no reason not to sell it here. Anoya just walks out of the place. Done with this one. Yeah, I mean, Dara takes it away outside, yeah. yeah. He said that he didn't care if he didn't hear me. So it seems like the majority of us are fine with this. So I will Good to go. go on ahead and make the transaction. So she'll hand you 20 platinum and you sell the silk fan. And uh, as Anori and Dara leave and you, she hands you the money and takes the fan uh, and uh, places on the counter behind her. She says, I, I, I do apologize about your friend. I understand how it can be upsetting. Not everyone sees things the same way. I understand the the reaction. As do I. It is unfortunate, but there's no easier and more efficient source of what effectively be livestock here in the city. I mean, these puppies not only would lead much worse, more dangerous lives, possibly becoming feral, contributing to the problems that the eastern half of the city already has, but generally in litters with dogs like these they're simply given away i'm gonna make a joke in bad humor you don't have to preface that by saying unless you're literally as I'm, nell is I'm, saying I'm, that yeah no he he's he's gonna say that he's saying that okay yeah Continues. and he looks a little can, concerned can, but continue can my role be how well the joke is taken yeah you have perform comedy don't you yes go for it oh fuck <laughs> That's the 15. Um, I'm going to say, well, if you run out of puppies, there's always halflings. Let's see. Like, he's unsure if she should laugh. <laughs> this kind of does the earlier reply. Well, as I said, bad humor, but I could not resist myself. Well, I, I thank you for your business, and if you should... Need of any of our words, please. I welcome you to visit us again. So you leave? Yeah. So Nori and Dara yeah. outside, are you just, just standing there all silent and angry-like? Are you saying anything? That's uh, up to her. She's walking back and forth, like, kind of talking to herself and Dara at the same time, kind of, like, disbelief. Like, how how is that okay? What the fuck is going on in this world? God damn it. All that stuff. Just pissed off. And generally just... angry ranting. Yeah. And he just shrugs. Not uh not to have an answer. That is just the way things are. I'm gonna go on ahead and divvy out the platinum while uh Hanori is ranting. So we each get you get five platinum each as he hands out. I don't want any part of that money. You can divvy them amongst yourselves, you fucking monsters. That is fine with me. If you don't want it. 
So, how much is it platinum? 10 gold. 10 gold. That's right. This, oh, do these character sheets not have spaces for the actual coins? They do. I was gonna say, I think they do because the coins have weight. Yeah. So, yeah, you can just put the actual, you can put in the actual platinum thing because you're paying five coins instead of 50. But yeah, everything exactly. is factors of 10. Okay, so then I have a uh, 13 platinum and two gold. Yeah. I'm good at math. The, pla the factors of 10 is hard to get used to because 100 copper is a gold, not a silver. Yeah. If we're gonna split uh, five platinum between three people, um, two of you can take two, and I'll take one. Okay, so you guys get seven, and I'll get six. Okay, then seven platinum. A lot easier than trying to do one point six 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 repeating. Of course. Anyway, Dar will. Uh, he's just gonna go back to his house. They can sell the the rest of it. Um, he was not planning on taking like money directly to hold uh, from anything else. He just wanted money from the fan and the other money from the uh, nobles. If we ever get around to that. Okay, so you want to head home and leave the rest of them to their yeah, whatever they're doing. He's, adventure. He'll nod and say goodbye for now and uh, meet up with them. I, he's just gonna go back to the stalwart state after. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be going the same direction for a while because I'm assuming you're heading over to the cherished cartography next. But uh, before we head, head in, yeah, before we head in there, let us take our break real quick. Like, it seems hey. like a good a good time for that. I can't I can't tell. Okay, so let us get back to this then. So Dara heads toward his house to prepare some things. I'll get to you in a second if there's anything you want to do. As oh he... no, oh you're just chilling. Yeah, he's just he's gonna go back there relax. Maybe go have a drink somewhere uh, until we meet back up at night. But he was just going to get a, like, he's not even going to be in this house long. He's just getting something to cover his face. Oh, fair enough. So the party heads talk about towards Cherry's Cartography, which, situated on the boundary between Senate Hill and West Park, is also in a pretty high-class area. It's a very small building, though, surrounded by large villas and similarly-sized estates. This would probably actually be the smallest building on this side of Apara's Canal. Uh, it looks outwardly almost weirdly similar to Potion Masters and that it's so... It's not run down. It's just, you know how... how this, is, this is the way I'm going to choose to describe this. You know how when you go to like a rural area, you can just tell which houses that the people that live there are over the age of 65 just by looking at how they're decorated and just generally how they're set up. Just... That's what this looks like. You know what I mean, right? Oh, definitely. Yes. It's like the super... There's like that that style. I don't know of a... There's got to be a word for it, surely. But those that style of uh, very simple, like almost rustic decorations that make a building almost look more worn down than it actually is. Because it's in perfectly good condition. In fact, it's in very good condition. Uh, he would put in a lot of work to make sure that he keeps up appearances, but just the style in which it's decorated makes it look almost ramshackle. And on the outside is an incredibly ornate hanging, like free hanging sign from a L-shaped post, which features an extremely detailed map of the city of Opara that almost looks like as if you were actually looking down on the city from above individual buildings and streets and roads 
are detailed in the map that were painted just for the express purpose of making this sign, not even to be an actual usable map. And various locations of interest have bits of flowing but very simple black script identifying them. And below it, written in similarly simple script is cherished cartography. Well, this looks like the place. As you head inside, it is a very cluttered building uh, for how small it is. It appears to mostly be divided into just two rooms. Most of the building is a storefront uh, with just a small door leading to what has got to be a quarter of the house where the man probably sleeps and eats. But it's got tables and racks just covered in various uh, detailed maps uh, such as that, topographical maps, sea charts and various trade routes, and a much larger scale maps of Taldor and its various districts and provinces and baronies itself, different counties, areas beyond that, several huge scrolls of uh, the entire inner sea region, and they're laid out on tables, they're framed in various places on the wall, they're uh, in rolls lined along racks. It, it's completely full. And the house only has two windows, so not a ton of sunlight gets in, so it's almost kind of dim and, again, dusty looking, uh, dated inside. And there's a man seated at the nearest table who appears to be well beyond the average age a person should reasonably live to, with a monocle just squished into one eye, hunched over this table, very painstakingly working on another, uh, what appears to be almost a copy of the map of Apara on the sign outside. Now, as you enter the door, it rings a small bell that's dangling right inside of the door hits as it opens. And the man uh, doesn't really speed up, but finishes the last little bit of thing he's uh, doing there before he gently sets his pen down next to it and looks up without taking out the, monast uh, the monocle. Says, ah, welcome. Is there anything in particular I could help you find? Well, it, it didn't go very well. Sorry, my phone is ringing. I'm going to let someone else deal with this one because the last one didn't go so well for me, and I have to answer this, so I'll be back. Who else wants to talk to the shopkeeper? Anori or Bellar? There you go, Bellar. It's your turn. So, we actually have come across something that we believe you may be interested in. My uh, curiosity? I'm certainly... Well, does this a map of sorts or tools or... It's a tool. No. Guess since I'm doing this, I guess I have it. Yeah, you just Gotta... have it. <laughs> I'll get closer to the table and pull it out. And you, uh, you lay the spyglass down the table, and uh, as you approach the table and lay it down, the old man stands up, which only barely changes his height from sitting down with how just absolutely hunched over his shoulders and his back, his whole upper body is. And as you lay the spyglass down, he looks at it, still squinting with the monocle in one eye, uh, before he reaches out across the table to uh, shake your hand. I'll take his hand. He's like, uh, Tudor Vulso, uh, I run this shop. And he uh, 
turns his hand to Inori as well. I've been here for what has to be close to a century now. It's certainly an impressive place. And so he looks at the spyglass, and you you do see back near the store, around where the side of the separate room would be, he has a rack of various uh, like compasses, protractors, and map just tools in general, uh, as well as a couple of various spyglasses, monocles, uh, and things he'd actually use for navigation, like sextants. So he has things like this. He, he picks it up and looks at it, and, and the spyglass that you've got is incredibly ornate. It uh, appears to have a barrel made of what looks like silver, but you're pretty sure isn't actually silver. Uh, it, it's possibly some kind of even rarer metal. It's, it's possible it's outlined with platinum and uh, just has wrought like arms and spirals of various golden designs working. As he sits back down, and uh, takes the spyglass very gently over next to the map that he was making, making very sure to not get it near any of the ink of the map or anything. He says, but still in all my years, it's very rare that somebody brings me something older than I am. Do you know what you've brought me here? Do you recognize these designs? Do I recognize these designs? Do you have knowledge history? Is it a knowledge? Yeah, are you a wizard? <laughs> you want to just roll me a die? Am I literally a time wizard? <laughs> Fifteen. You actually don't. Yeah, uh, I don't. So you shake your head. And he says, these insignias here, the, the way that these golden bars and the jade underneath intersect, this this deep purple it is still jade actually a rare variety this is as lanty make this may very well predate taldor itself uh these are the insignias of what i believe is colloquially colloquially known as the original army of exploration those before the first the group that originally sailed out from Maslant and found these shores and founded Apara. Now, it's an interesting story. It's a near legend now. There's very little record of those times that are still around with the various turmoils and upsets that Opara has been through in its years. And he's turning this spyglass over, just slowly looking over it as he, as he goes. And, uh... But, from... What is to be believed, or what is relatively understood, the Aslanti that landed here were a mix half of soldiers and half of scholars. That's what led to the original divide of the city and the founding of Jadrashar Island off the coast, the naval base, actually originates all the way back at the very first Atlante settlers. Uh, relics such as this are pretty uncommon, I would have to say. Is I have to know where this was found. Oh. 
I actually was not the one to find it. A friend of mine did. He's not here at the moment. Not largely one for antiquities, I understand. Uh, well, even not knowing the history of the piece, I'm sure you can determine just through the materials of its make that it has some amount of value. This this purple jade here, this stone that is inlaid, and he points at uh, another thing that's making almost kind of like hexagonal, almost sort of very linear and rigid designs beneath the swirling golden arms that are laid over the top of it. Uh, it's laid into the outside of the uh, silvery metal itself. It says, this purple jade actually originates only from those ancient Aslanti islands itself. This material itself is quite valuable, even the incredibly minor amount used in this spyglass. And, and this... The legends say hold some sort of even just incredibly minor, very, very basic magical properties inside it. It's a source of a lot of the ancient Deslanti works. They would use these not only for decorative purposes, which I do believe this is simple decoration here, but a lot of their ancient technology and scientific creations were originated on this purple jade that has a name that's escaping me for now. It's far from my area of expertise, but what were you looking to gain for it? Well, certainly gained quite a bit just knowing about it from you. Yeah, we did. <laughs> See, because Bellor is actually interested in this. Norian's in the back, desperately trying to stay awake. <laughs> so, would it be something you would be interested in having, or perhaps know someone who would? Oh, oh, absolutely. An artifact such as this would be a very fine centerpiece. I, I don't even know properly that I would resell such a thing. I, it almost feels a crime to have it outside of a museum where it should possibly belong, but with this just floating about, I I must say it is not something I expected to come across this day or even in this lifetime. Ancient Aslanti artifacts that have made their way into Apara are very rarely seen these days, and most have filtered through the cracks, and many such as this would be torn, torn apart just for the simple materials. I know that over in the Mysterium, there is actually a regiment of scholars, a whole group of them that are still working to this day to assess exactly what the properties of this strange crystal are, and if they have some sort of application in modern magical studies or discovery as i'm not a magical person myself of course i i don't understand these things but you seem like the sort who might and they all magical knowledge is in some way interconnected so Learning of the ancient magics of the Aslanti past helps understand the magic of the present, or 
So I understand. Makes sense. But this... This would be a fantastic centerpiece. I... I could off, I would offer you 150 platinum for this if you take it. That's quite a sum. Yeah. Well, this is quite valuable. I expect there's nothing like this in the walls of the city. <laughs> Offer like that, I don't think I could turn it down. So he, uh... See, he goes to stand back up from his chair, uh, laying the spyglass down on the table very carefully. And he says, uh, you will have to excuse me a moment. I don't keep that kind of coin on hand, but, uh... Of course. And he gestures towards Nell. Uh, I, I assume, based on just your garb, you, you, you have an estate somewhere in town. Not sure he's back. He'd probably say yes, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, Nell would nod and tell him that, yeah, they he's a member of the stalwart family and they have an estate down by Senate Hill, not far. And I would nod and say, oh, of course, yeah, stalwart. This is a, a name that goes back quite far as well. Not not nearly as far as the Atlantia, the origin of the spyglass. But if I remember correctly, your family few centuries ago was actually part of the operations of some of the Third Army of Exploration. I believe that's where they originally gained their notoriety and ascended up into the higher classes in Taldor. The, the Third Army of Exploration, of course, and he uh, starts herself around the table towards another table with some maps on it and kind of gestures down. It was... The one that had extended outward north from here, up to the into up past the coast of the inner sea, around and and far far beyond what's currently uh, Galt, and that other one. It starts with an A. I can never remember, but I definitely know because it's on this map I'm looking at, and charted all the way out nearly to the Western Ocean, back before hundreds of years ago, before this had all split into its various countries and nationalities. Kieran, do you hear me? This is all... This, is something. this was all Talden land, all the way out to the Arcadian Ocean. <laughs> I have a question. Yes? Is the front of this place... Can you easily see into this place? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want Dar to be passing this place going to where he's getting a drink. Because his dude's been talking for so long and then that he got his thing and is going to go to get his drink, assuming they're already gone. Like, way gone. But he's just going to pass by and just stop and look at them in the window. And then he can keep talking because Darius doesn't know what to do yet because he's confused. He doesn't actually know what he's doing. And, uh, in fact, they went so far as to what is in the modern-day Cheliax. I... I don't know if you're familiar with the city of Corentin. If you've been out there in a 1520, named for the General Corrin of the Third Army that, that settled it, it was a, a quite 
an impressive feat. It was one of the more successful and prolific the Please, Kieran. Are you saying this telepathically? Yeah, it is something? all telepathically. Okay. <laughs> Remember, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say when I'm saying it out loud. I'll okay, just okay. I'm just sure. But, but, but I, I, I digress slightly here. Uh, yes, I, I am familiar. Uh, I will need to stop by the Cathedral of Abadar and acquire this money, and I can have it delivered to your estate uh, within... By the end of the day, I'm sure Nell would be fine with this because I'm sure he'd probably imagine this 9,000-year-old man's not going to rip him off. Yeah, it'd be acceptable. You could roll sense motive for him if you want. <laughs> I don't know if he's in a sense motive as a 90-year-old man. But uh, so he, he turns back to the table noticing no one's followed over this other map that just shows the... Uh, a map that shows the inner sea region specifically as the third army of exploration had explored it and uh on that table you see other maps that detailed the areas that each of the five armies of exploration that had once spread the talden empire spread across this table historical curiosities beyond just actually usable maps he comes back over and says yes i i will be more than happy to make this exchange uh i i will need to find a proper place a display for this spyglass. I know that I can probably find something appropriate in the Mysterium, but I must say I prefer... Have you been to the blank label across town near Grand Bridge? An old Kellid woman runs it by the name of Yelka, I believe. She isn't from Opara, but she arrived here oh, several decades ago and is Probably been here longer than any of the lot of you have been alive. And her magics are different, certainly, but she produces goods of uh, an interesting visual style. They're very dramatically different from what you would get around in just the usual Talden form. Uh, much more free form and draws the eye displayed to something as simple as these bare maps and tables and... Yes, I'll find something like that. But if this is agreeable, I, the money will arrive by the end of the day, as I said. I'm back. Just in time! <laughs> oh, yeah, Daryl, come up to the door and open it. The noise walking out. At the same time, I'm going to grab Daryl and turn him around and walk out. <laughs> you are all still here. Just walking. Uh, so, so, okay. so, so, Derp, the, he doesn't have all the money for it right now, of course, because he does just doesn't keep all that around, and he would like to send it to your estate. Send the, the money payment. to my estate? Yes. That's fine. I was I so hoping you were going, that's some bullshit! <laughs> 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 I would have freaked out. <laughs> no, because so, uh, we've already trusted two people to I send know. 300 to my estate, so... As you finish um, the deal... And uh, Inori turns and grabs Dora and turns, almost physically turns him and pushes him back out of Cherish Cartography out into the road. You guys have now sold the fan and the spyglass. And I think Inori's spirit is broken. <laughs> it's too much for one day. I woke up dying. I got to see puppy torture. And I just got my ear talked off and ignored by my fucking sword. It's been one hell of a day. 
well, haven't even got these not over yet. Parts yet. Yeah, because <laughs> next we're going to the alchemy shop. Oh. I, so uh, you guys. Well, I can't yes, remember who they're I, yet because I ain't got no money to buy enough. Well, you'd have five more platinum if you'd taken it. Don't piss me off. <laughs> well, let's go. We have well, some potions as, to buy. As we are leaving, I will, in Aslanti, thank and say goodbye to this man. And uh, he will wish you a good day in Aslanti. Why are uh, why are we speaking Aslanti now? Do you even recognize Aslanti? I mean, I would do. a regular person recognize Latin? Probably. <laughs> he actually knows Aslanti. It's a second language. Because uh, it was something about the military that I, while I was making a story. You actually know Aslanti? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a second oh, language. Yeah, you also know Aslanti. So that's yeah, he's confused. He just started speaking Aslanti to this old man, and I was just dragged out of here. So I, he's very confused with what's going on. Since it hasn't this... come up yet, um, when I took Cosmopolitan, I forgot to take uh, Dwarven instead of Infernal. Since I haven't had a situation for either language to matter, do you care if I just change it? No, nah, you can put it on Dorvin, that's fine. Okay. Speaking so, Aslanti, because we were discussing the Aslanti Empire. I where, where the spy glass came from. Interesting. Uh, I honestly expected you all to be uh, much further along. Uh, was everything okay in there? wasn't much of I a uh, discussion. It was more of a uh, extended lecture that... Bellar here was grinning ear to ear the entire time. Ah, uh, I see, I see. Learning things and all that, they, uh, makes sense. Interesting, but not my favorite pastime. Uh, but it is all good? You sold it, I imagine? Yes, we did. the money will be at my estate later. Hmm, perfect. So you guys then head down to the Golden Alembic. Is the last place, I believe, other than possibly the jewelry store that you're going to head into. Yeah, we got a ruby to pawn. And uh, into the Golden Olympic, what are you here for? Just to buy a potion to cure lay wounds? That's what I'm here for. Does anybody else want anything from the alchemist, yes. the magical alchemist here? I'm also so buying you, one. As you head in, this is a pretty large building. It's built almost in a, the same style as the Basilica of the Last Man a little behind you. The just massive domed chapel to a rodent that is visible from nearly anywhere in Opara. And this is a smaller but in similar make and uh, only a block away from the building. Uh, as you head inside, it appears to be almost the polar opposite of what you were seeing in Potion Masters. The Golden Alembic is very high class and magical potions are useful in a wide variety of ways. So although the store itself is not huge, there's not a huge variety to keep on hand. Uh, a lot of basic things like the alchemical implements like antitoxic and antitoxin and anti-plague, uh, just as necessary. Uh, more mundane alchemical things and small selections of like lesser restoration and cure light wounds potions, uh, just things like that that are generally helpful, are uh, just around. There's a surprising amount of employees in a store for it not being that big. Enough that everyone that comes to the door has an attendant for them specifically. And he's polite, but straightforward, and can easily set you up with whatever you want as far as potions of like light ones. You just want one each? Yes. They are 55 gold here. 
That's fine. Pay for the service. Mm. Do we know of any other places? We certainly do. I know yeah. a quaint shop, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're uh, trying to find them in, like, a general store. But uh, yeah, the ones here, they deliver it out in, like, a hexagonal quartz, like, glistening container that uh, just fits into the palm of your hand rather than the regular, like, longer potion flasks. And the, the sample of the potion inside seems to be smaller than a regular one would. It's almost like a golden liquid in there. And they are actually kept on the shelves uncapped so that uh, they're easy for anyone to just quickly smell and verify it doesn't it's not so much for what it actually is as whether it's going to be palatable and these smell like just nectar so this is the opposite of what you picked up in potion masters the actual just straight opposite these are the super high-end crystal flask five gold more but he does express that they are more powerful than your normal potion of Carolina wounds Anything Any way we could confirm that? You have craft alchemy. You'd have you could ask him. <laughs> and, uh, as you do, do you want to ask him? I I would yes. Yeah, and as you ask him, you notice that there is one man who's been just kind of flitting around the shop, uh, dressed in almost white and gold robes, uh, in the style almost of like an Erodian cleric, and he comes by. And he is an Azamar. And he has his head and the uh, upper part of his chest bared by this robe. Uh, this robe. And so he's clearly, evidently Azamar. And he almost just kind of floats over to you as you're asking this. And uh, he turns to Baylor and says, Oh, welcome! Is there any sort of concern here? Any, uh, any doubts you may have about the quality of the product? You are more than free if you have knowledge, they are crafted on site by the most skilled of alchemists and sorcerers. Uh, we have tools here we can take you and show you exactly the process of what it's made of. You can test it for yourself. I'm Carol Mile Udur, proprietor of this shop, and he holds out a hand to Biller. I'll shake his hand. And any concerns you have, I will be happy to take care of. It's not so much a concern, just it's very interesting. That's very high quality. I can understand that a lot of people in the town tend to just go for whatever is the simplest or the easiest or the least expensive. And they're, well, what you pay for largely. But here at the Golden Alembic, we pride ourselves on quality. And everything you will acquire here, I can guarantee you, is excellent enough that you will choose to return to continue to purchase from us. So, by all means, if you wish to come, I have any equipment you may need to sample and ensure the quality for yourself. Are you a, an alchemist? A wizard, but I have dabbled in a bit of alchemy in the past. Well, these ones are very simple, of course. These uh, healing potions do not leave a lot of room for any sort of 
variance or interest, but uh, I will show you. And he starts to usher you kind of towards the, uh, uh, not even the back area, like a separate room or anything, but just an area of the storefront. But there's a few alembics and various flasks and brewing equipment set up. And he uh, he takes the pierced to cure light wounds over with him and just puts a single drop down onto the end of an alembic. And uh, turns on a burner underneath as he's talking, and it starts to uh, very quickly, the single drop sizzle and boil, and up into a curled uh, extension of pipe that leads into a much, much larger beaker. And he says, This process here dilutes the substance. Uh, we, it allows us to use little enough to not lose any effect from the potion itself, but it allows you to analyze it with your own magic, your own understanding. Uh, you can even drink what is effectively a sample here and understand. The difference the Golden Alembic will bring you. And uh, finally, as this finishes, it's relatively quick because against it's a single droplet. Uh, it's a beaker of what is mostly water with a tiny bit of this potion of Kirlai Winds diffused into it. And he hands it to you for you to either craft alchemy or perception. Hmm. And while you're checking that out, um, would they trade in potions? Absolutely. Because even if they wouldn't sell them directly, then they would still be able to use them with suppliers. Because uh, I, I have... Oh, you, I... you first. Well, I got a 21 on my craft alchemy. You can tell these potions of cure light wounds, in addition to healing you, D8 plus 1 will also give you plus 1 to a random save for 10 minutes. Resistance bonus. Fascinating. In fact, I'll even make it fortitude. I'll make them slightly better. It's always plus one to fortitude. For how long? For 10 minutes. Plus Boy. one resistance bonus to fortitude for 10 minutes and heal 1DI plus one. Wow, when I get paid, I'm coming back here to buy some of these. Dara is now very interested. <laughs> Yeah, it's, he's not he's not lying. The stuff they sell at the Golden Olympic is much higher quality. It's a and top it, tier. Yeah. As you will come to expect from my shop. As I said, there is nothing here that I allow to pass through our walls without meeting this glorious golden standard. That is the Azamar guarantee you will have from me specifically. Now, I believe my attendant can take care of any further needs you may have. I wish you all the best afternoon. And... Before anyone can even respond, he floats off to go insert himself into the next group. Not literally floats, but that's just like kind of he he's very graceful. Very floaty movement. Yes. So, do you guys want the potions? Yep. I'm going to buy one. Yep. 55 gold a piece, and you can get a Cure Light Wins potion that gives you plus one, four for, plus one resistance for it for 10 minutes. So, if you have the cloak of resistance, whoever has that, you won't get that because you already have a plus one resistance bonus. Yeah, that won't yeah. do anything for me. Yeah. Um,. But it's I also do, just not unpleasant to drink, like potions probably generally are. I do happen to have like that cheap off cherry flavor that tastes disgusting. What? For <laughs> for like normal medicine. Oh, pro like cough syrup. Yeah. <laughs> tastes like um, healing. It tastes like <laughs> my wounds are not killing me anymore. Yeah. But these taste quite nice, like actual cherries good stuff so i have three jump potions and two potions of gaseous form just kind of rooting through my bag 
I don't really have a use for these. And uh, the employee will also be happy to provide you whatever the market sell price would be for so half for any of the potions you want to sell him as well. So if it's a first level potion, you get 25 gold. Second level potion, you get 150. Uh, let me check Gash's form because I don't know. Uh, let me look. Might be second level. Might be third level even. It is actually third. Really? Uh, yes. You get 375 gold for that. We're getting more cure potions, boys. Um, you said 375, so all in all 500? I'm assuming you're doing your math right for whatever potions you're selling, yeah? Yeah, because 25, 50, 75. How many are you no, selling? That'd be 450. 450, all right. 450. Yeah, yeah 450 gold for selling your three whatevers. And uh, the potion of gas is for him. I'll hold up the second gaseous form potion of the party. Uh, do we have a use for this, or should I just sell both? I mean, it's not a bad one to have around. Yeah, we might use it for something. Get rid of both of them. Okay. Uh, I will hold on to one of them then, and at market value, that means 450 and we can divide that amongst whatever type of potions we would want. I would like to carry, or I, I would personally would like to You get, get, if you split it evenly, you get 112 and a half gold each out of selling those potions. So 112 gold and five silver apiece. That's actually perfect if we just want to split it It would that definitely way. be 11 platinum, two gold, and five silver. Yeah. Because they're going to, like, high-end establishments are going to give you top coin because they usually just trade in platinum. So if you want to split yeah. that up, 11 platinum, 2 gold, 5 silver apiece. Or so 2 gold, 5 silver, and 2 Cure Light Wounds potions. That's what I'm doing. Also that, because 11 platinum is 2 of these Cure Light Wounds potions. <laughs> just make sure you note they're Cure Light Wounds with the plus 1 fort on them. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just going to go ahead and drink one. Okay. So what would it be, what would be again, Manchaw, for the two potions and what you said there? Two fucking gold. Each of you are getting eleven platinum, two gold, five silver. If you want to buy two potions to cure light wounds, you just get two gold and five silver. Because eleven plat is two of these potions to cure light wounds. Okay. Uh I'll just stick with the one potion. And yeah, so you still uh, end up getting two gold, five silver. So you'd get uh I got the good stuff. I got it all uh, written out in my money. Okay. Separated by correct amounts. This is the first time I've ever actually counted silver though. So is this uh is that everything you want from the potion shop then from the golden alembic? I mean I believe so. Dari got way more than what he thought he was gonna get. He's just looking for a set to feel better. He got super uh, special I version. Believe the last stop is the Lord of the Rings. Do you know where you got these rubies? Oh, it's from Doggio's stash, right? Yes, yes, I believe so. It was assorted rubies worth four hundred gold. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. So you head into the last part here, into the last leg of your journey before you prepare for the evening at the Lord of the Rings. And this is a small, interestingly styled jewelry store. It's clearly high class, but dwarves just do things a little bit differently. It's not so much regular Talden style as it appears to be a dwarven impersonation of regular Talden style. So everything about all the designs all the way up to the architecture, is very thick and bold and linear. 
which is just how dwarves do things. And as you head in, uh, there are quite a few elegant display cases laid around of jewelry in both standard Talden style and in much more exotic styles around the inner sea regions, as well as they seem to just have a lot of trade in raw gemstones. And uh, one of the counters is just on display, set piece cut, and even truly raw hunks of just gem. Uh, the centerpiece of which appears to be a diamond nearly the size of your thumb, which is uncut. And uh, as you enter, one of the dwarves behind the counter, who is wearing what looks really awkward on a dwarf to be wearing like a fine black suit. It just seems kind of clashing, but it fits him well. And he uh, raises a hand and says, Oi! Welcome, Norman Gallus. What can I get for you? Well, judging from your very nice collection you have here, and I'm I'm going to, at a rough glance, appraise the uncut gems with a 23, just to talk and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, just that diamond alone would easily be worth 10,000 gold. Yeah. Easily. So just kind of having short little uh, comments about like the, the value of his gems and how we figured this would be the perfect establishment to come and uh, offer something that we have found. Hi, Golhadov, you're not wrong. It's rare to get a man who appreciates the craft in here. Usually, especially, and I, I bear you no know, ill, the uh, noble sorts come in just looking to get what they can get. They go off just the eye and just the appeal, the shape of things. No mind for the quality. And I'll speak to him in Dwarven, saying that I'm not your common noble. I hate to uh, reply to you in Dwarven, just sort of not. Uh, that you're not. <laughs> and I'm well. back in common. So how can I help you find lads this evening? Uh, which one of us has the ruby? Because it's not me. It's a small pile of ruby. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it's just on the on the sheet, so it's just a sag that anyone could carry. A party loot sheet. Yeah, I put yes. it on there because wasn't really a relevant weight or anything. Yeah. I suppose no, I'll just all... produce it from my bag then, because any of yeah. us could have it. We're not all like, ooh, I want rubies. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just uh, hand the bag over to him. See what he thinks. And you uh, take the bag, and he opens it and looks inside, and then takes a, goes, strides back behind the counter, and pulls out a small, very fine, like, felt mat to lay the gems out and inspect them properly. And he's looking through the, uh, the four of them, of slightly varying sizes, but all the great cuts. He says, well, I look for core. They're very finely made. I could, uh, I'd certainly offer you 400 gold for a lot of them bit on a small end, so not exorbitantly valuable, but well done. Well. I appraised those. You uh, appraised them at 400 gold, yeah. Yeah, okay. Just he's make offering it... you what you appraised. He's, he's offering you market value for him. Okay. Yeah, perfectly he, fair to me. Either you're both equally bad at appraising, or he's not trying <laughs> to rip you That's on trade. Uh, that sounds good. He hands you 40 plat, and uh, takes the rubies and, and the bag and puts them back in a small drawer behind the counter. And is there anything else you want from him? Uh, I'd like to take a look around the shop because I am obviously going to be looking at uh, 
refining my newfound armor, and this wouldn't be a bad place to get some collective pieces. Uh, yeah, if you're just looking for gems, uh, there's uh, like to actually make your gear look fancier. There is all kinds available here. It's, it's it's up to entirely what exactly you want to spend and what you want to do. Because based on what they have on display, whatever they have that they're making here, they are very, very clearly skilled in what they do. Uh, they also have a decent display of a few magical rings as well, which uh, based on the plaques with each are fairly out of your price range. Uh, culminating with a, again, in that smaller uh, magical display off to the side, a ring of blinking for nearly 30,000 gold. Okay. Inside the, uh, or the glass of this case that contains the several magical rings and amulets is visibly, like, shimmering with almost a flowing blue glow, as if they wanted it to be obvious that it was magically protected. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's definitely the place I'm going to come if I, uh, if I need the, the gems and such. I would be glad to help. If you need to inlay it in your armor, that's a bit more difficult work, not beyond our measures, of course, but the uh, prices do get a bit higher trying to work them in without losing the function of the armor itself. Well, if I trust anyone to have the skill, it would definitely be you all. You seem to know quite well what you're doing. And we're dwarves. We've done it for ages. I hope you all have a very nice rest of your day. We have some more errands to attend to, but thank you for your time. And he uh, smiles and nods, and may the day find you well, Falkredin. Slipping just phrases of a, a dwarven well-wishing and with his, uh, with his ending. So, I believe that's something you guys want to do around town. I believe so. So are you so. heading back to the Starward Estate together? Um, I mean, I'm just, just going to go where he was, just out to drink and relax for now until uh, nighttime comes. It's afternoon by this point, but you still have a decent amount of time before evening falls. Uh, those of you that do return to the Stalwart Estate would find that in your absence in the day, several messengers and pages had showed up, each delivering 300 gold to the door uh, for a total of 900 gold that had arrived while you were out. And... Further, the 150 platinum that you were promised by Tudor will arrive later in the evening as well. So that leads you, what, 240 platinum? So you get 60 platinum apiece. Six. Is that right? That seems really high. Yeah, it's because the spyglasses wow. work so much. Yep, you end up with 60 platinum apiece. Oh boy. Pretty good profit for that. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. damn good, good penny. I'm so happy you went for the spyglass. The spyglass was by far uh, the only thing that's more valuable is the dagger. That's just because it's a magical weapon. The spyglass is the second most valuable thing that was in there. Did we get the top three? 
Um, <laughs> got top two. What's yeah, top name? two for sure. But yeah, let's say there's five. There's the silk fan, the spyglass. The journal isn't worth much. Yeah, you got the top three. <laughs> all right, Dara, we are officially the greatest thieves. The buckler ends up just the, the buckler is just the masterwork buckler, and the nice. journal isn't worth very much. Uh, the dagger is by far worth the most. It's a magical weapon. The spyglass is worth a shitload as well. There you go. So yeah, you got the top three. You successfully won deal or no deal. Hell yeah. I like random chances. Always in my favor. So is there anything else you guys want to do with the rest of the day? Or is it just uh, anything of, of note? Like um, shopping or anything that requires GM assistance? No. Uh, Dar is going to go drink, and uh, while he drinks some, not a lot, uh, and relaxes, he is going to braid his uh, beard into, like, uh, small bits. So when he puts the thing up around his mouth, it's not still everywhere. All right. Uh, Bella, what are you doing with the rest of it until evening? I... Probably... Going and just buying some magical writing supplies... Yep, and uh, that would be easy enough to acquire from a variety of places. So if you want to just remove gold, add that much in magical writing supplies to your sheet. Because uh, I both have Scribe Scroll and we have Doggio's... Uh, the spellbook. Spellbook that I can copy over spells from later. The Mysterium here doubles as a magical school, almost like a wizard's college of sort, to go alongside the Kithrodian Academy and the Rhapsodic College, the Bardic Schools of Note and Apara. And as such, they have what is the equivalent of the college textbook store, where they not only sell simple sample spellbooks for wizards to take to practice with, but also a nearly infinite supply of magical vellum and ink. So... It's that's their just like rotating door vendor. It's very easy to walk in. I would like this much and take that much. So you can feel free to just put as much as you want on your sheet and just drop that much money. Uh, what about you, Inori? I want to go back to the golden alembic and get three more of them uh, cure light wounds potions and an anti plague from them. All right, so you're gonna spend. Who's that? That's 165 gold, so 225 gold total. 22 plat, 5 gold. And you will get three more of the Cure Light Wounds with the plus 142 save, as well as another Anti-Plague. A much nicer, much less tar-tasting Anti-Plague. Okay. And Nori makes fun of... Bellor for prestidigitating his anti-plague sneaks out to go buy a fancy good tasting one from the Golden Olympic when he's not looking. That's mm. how it is. <laughs> Makes well, sense. And uh, now I imagine you're just gonna spend the time in your estate. Uh, I'd actually like to go pick up two anti-plagues and a uh, small flagon of ale to bring back for celebration after our victory. Certainly doable. I like the enthusiasm. Believing in yourself. That's the good stuff right there. So you head back out after you stop by the estate and you divide the uh, money that you were promised to the various nobles who have now all actually made due to you. 
and go out and grab a couple more of those anti-plagues to deal with the inevitable effects of the felt favor you're going to be dealing with over probably the next few days. And uh, with that, you all reconvene either at the Stalwart Estate and head to the Dignified Repository together, or eventually reconvene over at the Dignified Repository individually. But either way, as the sun goes down and evening falls, or evening passes into night, you meet up with Valeros and Mauricio in the Crownsgate District. They're already there waiting as you approach. And uh, they're a bit further away this time, out of the view of the Dignified Repository, not wanting to gain any attention before they head down. And uh, Valeros is just sitting on the porch of a small pub in Crownsgate, once again drinking, as he is wont to do. He seems to have an odd superpower to drink a nearly limitless amount of beer and not have it affect him whatsoever, or this he just does everything drunk. Who knows? Either way, he raises his hand to greet you as his approach. Says, you made it! And you, you look better! And you smell like potions. You had a fun day! It was nice. And uh, Mauricio interjects, so, what's the plan? Well, we originally came up with my dad and just had to be what it is. We didn't have uh, any way to look inside, unfortunately. So, we will probably go in from the north side if you distract from the south side. Hmm. Makes sense. We'll do what we can to pull as many of them away as possible and try to make space for you to sneak in. I advise you subtlety as you're inside. I don't know if you're more the sensible type or the valorous type. <laughs> But you're not going to want to raise any sort of alarm before you have to. And we're going to want to move quickly. Dusk is the best time for an action such as this. Even discounting whoever's inside or any possible change to the guard, which is more likely now, those who are strolling around outside will have their eyes adjusting to the falling darkness. It'll be less perceptive than usual. Of course. And so Valoros just stands up, half-filled mug in hand. All right! Distractions at the ready. Just say when. Let's get to it now. And Valoros, after this is done, I've got a couple of gallons of ale waiting for us back at the house. This kind of grins. It sounds like exactly my kind of time. And hers, too, because I make her come. <laughs> she just shakes her head. I come because I want to come. I can drink as well, just not more busy. Now... Let's go. Make your way down to the canal, and, well, you'll know when it's time to strike. Understood. Hope it all goes well. So you head down, giving the dignified depository, repository and the entire area around it a fairly wide berth, making your way down, downhill, almost the edge of the canal behind the area. And you take position, and you wait. And you don't see what's happening very intentionally. You're just waiting for some kind of a signal. Uh, peeking around the edge of the building, watching the two pairs of guards patrol around the outside of the dignified repository. After about five minutes, you hear shouting from the other side of the building. And you see the patrol that's just <laughs> approaching the corner immediately turn around 
and uh, hurry back to the southern edge of the building itself. And as they get there, uh, you see him turn the corner, and you see more lights come out of the warehouse as they summon reinforcements out of the building to pursue Valeros and Minardi and whatever the... Minardi. Valeros and Mauricio. Whoa. Whatever their pursuits are at the far end. Time to go, boys. This is your moment. Let's go. Here you are. It's dark. Great choice in song. <laughs> and now we wait. So you're going to be relying on uh, whatever lights you have. So since you're trying to be stealthy here, I'm going to establish this beforehand. Who has lights on? Outside, you can see well enough in the dim light. But once you get inside, if there's no other source of light, you won't be able to see at all. You can see through the windows that there is some low light inside sporadically. But you, again, don't know what you're going into. Is anyone going to have a light spell or a torch or anything? Or are we going blind? Uh, I don't have any light. Sorry, I have no idea. Have them. Do you want to have light? Not in particular, because I'm definitely going to be standing back. Uh, if I could stay in the shadows but see into light, that would be perfect. Boy. I mean, should we just put it on the th on the big guy? <laughs> yeah, it would do you guys to have light. I mean, I mean, if you, you guys want me to carry a light, I'll carry one. You could also open the door and see what's in there and then decide which show to light. True. That is not another good approach. Fire backs up. Motion in. All right, hang tight. I'm trying to adjust the light values. I got 100% uh, let you know. This fucking music makes me sweat. Because I've played this. Yeah, so like I'm waiting for the bling, and then fucking everyone just starts shooting. Well, the goal is for that to not happen. Yeah, I know. That's always the goal. No, because you know somebody's going to have a bad internet connection, and someone's just going to get seen around a box or something. Like, we're not getting through this without some action. I can just feel it in my bones. Okay, so. It takes so long to edit text fields. There we go. There's no light around this corner because that patrol has been drawn away by Valeros and Mauricio, and there's no light over here either. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Why does Nori have nothing? I have nothing. You're the same as everybody else. What? I don't understand why you don't have anything. Oh, I know why. Come on. Come on. Edit. Edit the text field. <laughs> Edit the text field. There we Yay, go. Yeah, there it is. Okay. So I give you each a... Uh, I'll, I'll square you guys so you can uh, see each other for now. And there's two doors. The first is below you here. And the other further down the wall, almost towards the far southwest corner of the building. Which one do you want to go in? Or try, rather. Um... I personally think this one, closer to the south, would be bad, as that's where it's going on. Any well, they're both closer, the, to the the south. closer to the south, yeah. Yeah. The loading Listen. dock is on the southeastern corner, so the further door would be the furthest one from the loading dock. This one leads into about the, what appears to be about the middle of the warehouse. 
think this would be a good idea. This one? Yeah, I mean, if no one uh, disagrees. No, that's fine. Fine to me. Do it! Door guy, open the door. So, door guy, you opening the door? I am opening the door. So he moves down and quietly opens up the door. Uh, inside appears to be virtually black. You can see a little bit of light down in the distance, but the warehouse is clearly full. Barrels, boxes, and crates fill the space of what you can see of this warehouse here. Uh, it looks like we're clear. Let's, uh, of course, talking low. And I'm just going to take a step in. As you watch, you can see a light start to enter the area from further into the warehouse. So are you all stealthing? Yes. Uh, yes. I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. I assume as best we can, at least. Yeah, I have stealth rolls for you. I'm assuming you're going to go for it. Yeah. So you see the light continue to approach, and you hear low chatter in the distance. As, as you enter, you see... Slowly coming into view, a pair of guards, one bearing a lantern aloft, as they continue to make their way around the warehouse. I'm going to kind of wave my hand as best I can to uh, tell Inori to follow me, and I'm going to slowly start working my way forward just until I'm behind these boxes right here so I can kind of and uh, you can see where the dynamic lighting lines are you can move yourself a bit into the boxes and actually like hide in the like in amongst the boxes like okay. you can move all the way down like into here or here even and like get in the boxes okay just don't move over whatever is like a dynamic lighting line so you can see there's a pathway clearly leading down uh, through the warehouse to the southeast, where you can see the light begin to start moving again. As a uh, pair of men walk by, they are wearing leather armor and have uh, just simply daggers at their waists. Uh, upon seeing them, I'm going to go in ahead and kind of get low in this gap here yeah and just watch i want to see kind of what they're doing where they're going well they walked up to the northern side and they haven't seen them come back yet and as you're sitting here you can hear voices coming from over here on the far side of this stack of boxes that reaches up 20 25 feet above you uh they appear to be low and curious. Uh, could I try and listen in and see if I can discern anything they're saying? Make a perception check. That is a 19. You hear they're not whispering. They're not trying to be subtle. It's just on the other side of a big stack of boxes. You, you catch a quick snippet of the conversation. 
It was probably nothing. Just surprising they pulled more outside. Was it just some tool against vandalizing the warehouse? Your second voice. Aye, most likely. Gotta run him off, though. And the third voice is like, I get it. Just waiting because I'm winning. Is that what we're doing? We're stalling? And the first voice again, she's like, no, you idiot. We're waiting because something's happening. We'll at least wait for them to come back. And they're just, mm-hmm. Because I'm winning. They're, they're talking. fucking game. You see the light start to come back as the pair pass by on the eastern side again. Disappearing behind a far stack of boxes before reappearing near a large door that seems to lead into the loading bay area based on the view you had at the outside. And they walk over there, and then one of them takes a seat on a barrel, putting his lamp down next to him. So the other one just kind of lays against the wall, and they just start talking about just nothing. You can't really pick up on their conversation from here. I can see this, right? Yes. Okay. You can see up uh, through the window, there is a raised area here that is up above, the, about 20 feet up on the floor. And it leads, uh, you can see through this one window, light shining down from a lantern inside. And you can see several more people in there. I don't recognize them, of course. You don't recognize any of them, no. But they're, uh, they're gathered around a table up above. It looks like two or three people up there. Uh, so I can see well enough to tell how far out their light's coming, right? Does it look like it would be extremely noticeable to cross in this open area here? Uh, you can see at the edge of their light is lower the edge where you can see. So you would be, their light goes all the way up to here, but that's just the very edge of darkness. So if you were trying to make a dash to here, it'd be iffy, but not impossible. It's kind of dependent on your spell from their perception. They definitely have a penalty because you're like, they would have like a minus five for their perception to notice you, but you yeah, would be visible. That was my worry. If I wanted to... It, like, is there any difference in moving quickly versus moving slowly in these boxes? Or is it just the standard like stealth penalties? It's the standard stealth. You can only move a half speed while you're moving out. Because the stealth is your cover that lets you stay stealth. Or the boxes are your cover that lets you stay stealth and keep making stealth checks and keeping your stealth score. Because this is good. You're concealed okay. right now. Okay. Well, I'm going to move forward and see what I can see. As long as you're in a square that has boxes in it, you're still concealed. And you I'm going to kind of watch these guys for a second and just see what they're going to do. Right. we got plenty of time. Yeah, and you watch them as they're discussing whatever. And then the guy uh, leaning against the wall kind of stands up. The guy in the barrel picks up his lantern. And they both start moving this way. All right. And as they start moving, I'm going to retreat back into the boxes. You lose sight of them, but you can see the light from their lantern recede as they continue around the corner. I'm going to speak over to Anori since they're the only person I can see right now and I'm going to say we should 
probably make a move now. I want to see what they were doing. And I'll point in this general direction over here when As we lost. As of now, it's almost it. pitch black on the eastern half of the warehouse. The only light you have is the little bit coming down from the window up above, and that is almost nothing. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to say twenty feet up, and it seems like it's a single lamp or a couple lamps in there. Okay. I'm going to say we should go on ahead and make a a move over there using these boxes across the way for cover. Just going to nod at you. So I will cautiously come back over here and I don't see them anymore. So I'm going to. Yeah, you can see the light from their lantern uh, down here below, but uh, you don't see any sign of them. So you can see they're just barely around that corner. So I'm going to squeeze through these boxes, assuming everyone's following me. And then you even start to see that light fade. And so you push up and around the edge of these boxes here. But you can't see much without a light of your own, which would certainly be noticeable from the group up top. Uh, like I can't see anything, anything? No, there's no light here. Uh, During the day, a decent amount of light comes into the warehouse from the windows up above, but even then it's still dim. And now with the sun having gone fully down, uh, without the torches or the lamps with the patrol carrying around, there is no light. It is actually pitch black up here. Hmm. You've crept almost all the way up to the northeastern corner of the warehouse itself. Uh, this is darkness, so this is still concealed, right? Yeah, it's darkness, so you're still concealed for the time being. You can feel your way up a lot. I'm not used to playing stealth. Yeah, but uh, as long as you're in pure darkness and you are just actually feeling your way along, you can't be seen. The risk is that you, like, trip over something and uh, that you're not ready for. Um, Because you can't see. Yeah. Do I actually see this area right here directly on top of me or not? You actually don't. That's literally just for convenience of moving a character around. Okay. Um, If I can't see anything and I come to a wall, I would kind of harshly whisper back, we're at a wall. I I don't know where to go from here. I can't see. Uh, Shit, we should have planned this out a little better. I can light you up. Is that what you want? Um, Also, uh, in addition to the light spell itself, casting a spell requires you to speak in like a strong, clear voice because light has a somatic component or a verbal component, rather. So you have to say the Harry Potter magic words. Can't even just whisper them? No, it has to be said strongly. That's trash. <laughs> that's what silent spells for. Yeah, that's a verbal component to be said in a strong voice. What about a spell that is all about stealth, like ghost sound? It probably doesn't have a... Uh... Yeah, well, that's a candle, though. You wouldn't have to say words, though, right? 
Let's see. Well, it's not about what a cantrip. It's about uh, what, what the spell has for components. And uh, Ghost Sound has a verbal component as well, but it will also be making a sound somewhere else. And that yeah, sound could be much louder than the sound of you casting Ghost Sound. Because of the ghost sound. Um, possible to light the lantern that I took from earlier in, before we left the uh, the underground catacomb. Uh, would it be possible to light it and keep it covered just so there's a sliver? It is a hooded lantern. So you can uh, you can keep it mostly hooded so it gives off less light. You can hood it, I think, to half, so it'll only get about 10 feet of light instead of 20, and then 10 more feet of dim light. The difficulty is that uh, the light is what's going to be visible. In the same way you're seeing those guys walk around by the light that's coming out of their lantern, even a low light is going to cast light, and then the pure darkness is going to become not pure darkness anymore, which is just a question of, is anybody looking? Okay. Well, I can still see the the light coming yes. down over here, and I can still see up there into their yes. area. So yep. before I do that, uh, I'm going to move to an angle where I can no longer... Which I guess I would stumble into Make these. reflexive. <laughs> oh boy. As you run into a set of stairs in complete darkness. That's a 16. All right, so you are uh, feeling away down the wall. Feel, uh, you quickly pull your foot up to stop yourself from stumbling or clanging your shin guards into it and steady yourself so it doesn't make a lot of noise, but you stumble into what appears to be a set of stairs. I'm going to come back over to where everyone walk and whisper I found some stairs uh, up, come up to the wall up or down I believe they go that they did go up right they went up yeah okay yeah and I will start to work my way back down the wall remembering where the stairs are this time uh, you hear uh, well it's got to be at least five people laughing pretty loudly from the area where you heard voices before on the western side of the warehouse. Now I'll make sure to uh, let everyone else know where the stairs are so they don't make the same mistake I did. Right, you like keep a hand out behind you and just slowly inch away through pure darkness in the stairs and make sure nobody else runs into them and you kind of run that buffer for the rest of the party as you make your way up the stairs very slowly. Which I can see light at the very top of these yes. stairs. Just kind of barely of on the light. Sliver of light at the top of the stairs. At this point, I'm going to say, Anori, you should take the lead. Stealth is not what I'm good at. <laughs> And I will trade spots on the stairs. 
So you let a Nori uh, shuffle past you there. And slowly slide up past the staircase to take up the lead as you head up uh, towards this upper area. You can see the light coming from. I'm not exactly a ninja either. And the Nori making her way along the wall here stops there as the wall runs into the far wall of the warehouse at the eastern, far northeastern corner. You hit a landing. You can see the light is streaming down from a crack in the doorway up above you, which is not all the way closed, uh, illuminating a bit of the staircase that leads the final bit of the way up to that room you can see from the floor. You can see there's at least two or three people in there. Two, maybe three in the room ahead. Should we try and take them? <sighs> no response. No response, apparently. Um, All right. Team? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm asking the two people behind me. I, I do not know. It could be loud. You have a fucking crossbow. I, I do. But what if I cannot take them all? And what if I miss? Uh, below you on the floor, you see the pair of patrolling guards return back to the southeastern gate that leads into the larger or the smaller loading bay area at the other end of the warehouse. Uh, if they come back up north as they had previously, you'll be in clear view of them. Well, we kind of have to go this now. Then we move. Nell, you go in, I go in after you, and then Laura snipes somebody. Understood. My obligation is still this, because this really doesn't need yeah, to that, be. That there. makes more sense. Yeah, because it's like the railing of a staircase. It's not a wall. That makes way more sense. You can actually see down to the floor from here. There's no Pathfinder mechanics for, for like taking someone out stealthily is there there's not hard written mechanics for you taking someone out stealthily but if you hypothetically like if dara picked up diggy's barber just shot a dude and he died and just a hit or he got a surprise round so he shot one initiative and shot him again before he got to go that would say you could do that silently if you take somebody down before they get to act it wouldn't make any sound if you're trying to do it stealthily yeah because i'm considering taking out and you're not like casting fireball. The two down here. <laughs> no, like Stealth I. Stealth fireball, go! Like I take out one and Dara takes out the other type deal. I will, I will try. I'm going to say to everyone I I have an idea. Uh, Dara, do you think if these down here approach, you would be able to take care of one of them near the bottom of the stairs? We don't want to fight uh, on two fronts. 
No, no I want to take them down unnoticed. You want to take down the ones downstairs? Yes. Uh, the ones in front are the problem, not the ones behind us. Yeah, but if we go in there, the ones below us will be alerted. And as he was sitting on the barrel before, he stands up and picks his lamp back up. If you're going to have an idea, you got to get it quickly. They're getting ready to move. Right. Dara, get ready. And I will inch my way down the stairs and get in position. I'll draw the crossbow, uh, pull the thing up around my nose and mouth, and put start, a bolt in it. Yeah, as they start to move, Baylor and Nori, you're on the stairs here. It's going to be clearly visible if you don't uh, move. Visible from the the dynamic lighting fucks things. It's hard to see. So, but visible from the bottom of the stairs or visible? Yeah, because from... it's just it's just a railing. Like you'll be visible from the floor down here because they're just looking up. You're just on a staircase. <laughs> You want to go further out towards the door? I'm... What are you doing, Baylor? I mean... It's the furthest I can go down with Dara yeah, here. Going down. Keep, keep going down. keep going down. I mean, you can, you can pass him. Now, two of you, uh, quickly, before they come into view, move down these days and as they get here they would notice Dara uh, up on the staircase but already ready you would get an opportunity to take a shot or a couple shots at them before they actually get to go so you guys get a surprise run all right uh i'll shoot the one behind That's hard 20 in the okay. you still got your, uh, yeah 21 first you don't have time to discuss what you're doing. You're just going. Nice. Oh, Beautiful. Wow. Right. So Nell reacts first. With this hard 20 initiative. What do you, you mean, notice, Nell? Or, but Nell, are you, you, you going to do anything at the surprise round? I'm, at, I'm assuming Nell and Dara were the ones taking a surprise round. Nell is the first in the surprise yeah, round. I guess. Yeah. I will. Unless you want to contribute use... something with your somatic component, have an ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use my, my surprise round to get in position here, trying to keep boxes between me and the people upstairs. Okay, so you uh, move around alongside the boxes. They, they see you approaching, but you move out and draw your sword as you close with them, uh, keeping yourself sheltered from the group of above so they can't look down. And, uh, Dara, what do you want to do with yours? Uh, shoot the dude in the back. Yeah, you can't rapid shot because you only get one standard action. Exactly. Um, what is this? Am I drunk? I'm trying to look for the ruler so I can see how, how far away it was. It's a different it's, icon. It's now. like changed. Oh, it's a okay, perfect. Yeah. Out of it. Oh, okay, weird. What? So, no, yeah, I was uh, checking it. Okay. It's a new icon and has some new functionality. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'll shoot the one in the back. Uh, just with the one shot, obviously. Okay, so you take one shot at the guy in the back. 
And as you pull the trigger, the bolt looses itself out of Dignity's barb. And that's a fucking <gasps> hard 20. Goodbye. Goodbye. Confirm. Oh. With the 25? You crit him. That looks just... like a confirm to me. Beautiful. Darren and one of those. To play games. One of those. Oh, fuck. That's oof for damage, though. Yeah. What, what, why is it not better than that? Isn't piercing so, three? Crossbows piercing? have shit damage. Crossbows are just a die roll. Like, yeah. just a YOLO button. Just a D8. Oh, it's only, it only gets a plus one from the point blank, but yeah, nothing else. Yeah, but don't else. they have triple for crit? No, they crown 19s. Regular bows have triple for it's, crit. It's uh, regular, mm -hmm. yeah. So you hit him, and the crossbow thuds into this guy's chest, and he kind of staggers backwards, and you can see he's he's injured, but he's uh, he's not down. And so this is the first round. Baylor, do you want to do anything? Or are you just waiting to see how this goes? Spell-like abilities don't have verbal, do they? I never know this. I don't think so. They do not know. When you use them, it's obvious you're casting a spell to anyone that sees you, but if you just want to, like, blast a wooden spear, if that's spell-like, it doesn't have any somatic components, just the noise of the spear itself. It's gonna make... Probably a lot of noise, though. Well, up to you. Do you want to shoot it or no? They'd have cover because you're shooting it over a bunch of boxes. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait. All right, now. You know how the this initiative dude works, in right? Front. Yeah, you know you can highlight and see the dude in front is the guy who goes after you, because the initiative I... table is public knowledge. Yeah. I can see he's drawing his weapon before the other dude has even reached for it. Yeah, that guy so. has the uh, the lantern in his free hand. He's already drawing. Like, he's almost got his dagger. The other guy's just reeling from the crossbow shot he took. Yeah. And on top of that, the crossbow shot is another reason I'm hitting this guy. Yeah. So I'm going to do something very, very rare for Nell. And I'm going to power attack. If you want this guy to go down right now. So you have your sword up, and you just push up off the ground towards him with as much force as you can, trying to take him down before he reacts. With a 10. And that roll a die. Uh, I don't know what it did for me. Roll 20. Yeah. 20, you gotta roll 20. Uh, 10 does not hit him. Unfortunate. That is indeed unfortunate. Because, uh... <laughs> I would look like it was going to be so beautiful for a brief mm -hmm. moment before you turns out crits aren't that everything about jumping these guys and uh, you did say you... that if you if he popped a crit and they didn't see it coming it would... yeah I said if you kill him and then that was completely whiffed versus the dude's flat footed 12 so uh, this guy turns and draws his dagger quickly 
and uh, unsure of what is actually happening. He still has the lantern in his hand. He pulls the dagger in his other hand and just swings it at Mel. Uh, just almost defensively, like he's startled. And your AC, I'm just double checking, is 20, right? Thanks to the magical armor. Yep. So he swings out with the dagger, and uh, as you lunge past him, he stabs it into you. And you take five damage. And he uh, steps back away from you and the guy reeling with the crossbow bolt stuck in. I'm not really sure what's happening. They haven't cried out or anything yet. They're just startled and not really sure how to react. Inori. Okay. Uh, wow. Gotta do anything? You wanna watch? It hasn't really gotten loud yet. There's like a scuffle, but no one's called out or anything. It is a loaded warehouse. Stuff's not gonna echo that well. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty packed. I'm gonna stay quiet for now. Dara, Rex, another bolt. Uh, um, alright, I'm going to overwatch uh, the guy in the back twice. If he says anything, I fire, and if he moves to attack now, I'll fire. So you just want to take the uh, down one initiative to just fire twice, basically? Yes. Alright. So, uh, I'll also have a little more damage now. Okay, yeah, that's what we agreed on. If you want to just ready to fire at the end of your turn, I just move you down one step, and you basically just almost use it like a full attack. Yeah. All right, so you ready two shots at the wounded initiate. As he stumbles back, it reaches and draws out his dagger, and you take your shot. That's another crit threaten. Oh, goodness. <laughs> And uh, with uh, an 18, that confirms you crit him again. Oh, God. Jesus, <laughs> okay. it this time. All right. Uh, so this is with an Overwatch shot, so it'll have more damage. Thank God. One. Two. As you quickly, as you oh, see this guy start to recover, you just slap, bolt, slap, and just put two more into him. And the dude just crumples down onto the floor immediately. Um, Miller. Uh, I'll move over here. So you break cover and uh, move up closer. Rushing down the pathway towards the fight, trying to find some way to help before this all goes to shit. <laughs> I'm gonna oof. I'm gonna ready to shoot a splintered spear at this guy if Nell does not take him down. Nell. Redemption. I'm going to five foot step 
over to here. And I'm aiming for his throat so he cannot call out. Just shut the fuck <laughs> off and just swing at this dude. So now up and he stabbed you once. You kind of grimace in pain, but stand up and raise your sword and just... God fucking damn it. Roll the three. Oh. And you roll the three and you get a nine and you just stagger to the side and uh, kind of swing almost defensively in pain and he just ducks out of the way uh, now that his senses are coming to him. Baylor. Now did not take him down. Stealth is on, not the most strong And you get an 11, and you shoot a wooden spear out that just blasts uh, past him and clatters across the boxes in the distance. And this guy uh, is going to take another just passing swing at Nell here. Uh, and this one strikes him again he's clearly a very skilled knife fighter although he's using this tiny dagger he's now twice been able to get it around uh nell's guard even with his shield up and hit just weak points around his breastplate or around his shoulders or his uh his thighs where he's less defended he's clearly very skilled and now that his wits are coming to him he five foot steps back and he calls out up towards the window smiles alarm help Some more initiative. How much damage did he do? Four. There's our new giant initiative table. Let's see if I can even get this entire thing on the screen. I think it added. Editing a text field. Dot roll 20. Okay. So the uh, new guys aren't going to uh, be able to react until the next round, but you can hear and see up at the top, obviously everyone is bolting up and looking out the window incredulously like, what the hell is happening? Inori. Okay. <clears throat> I can't double move and ready in action, right? No. Readying in action is a standard action. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Move over here next to Dara. Um Alright, I'm just going to double move up to the top of the stairs here. Okay. 
Oh, they come, you know, like, holy shit! Yeah, someone's there. <laughs> Alright, Dara. <sighs> the sigh. He readies to shoot a lot more people than he had planned on. Yeah. He'll get ready. Um, take two readies. If uh, he sees anyone else, that is, that looks like these guys, he'll fire at them, and he's going to shoot one at the guy if uh, he does anything. <laughs> right, so down one step and take a shot. Okay. Crap. Am I still in point blank? Yes. Okay. Yes. These guys keep hitting up exactly 30 feet away from you. You to fall. the center of the warehouse is about 30 feet away from the stairs, so it works out real well. Thanks. With another shot. Uh, this time at 22, you hit him as well. You're on point with these arrows. <sighs> Crossbow bolts take him down. No. <laughs> six damage. Unfortunately, he does not go down. But uh, he takes the bolt in the shoulder as he's facing up towards the window and uh, staggers away from it. Baylor. Move over slightly and try it again at that guy. And so he tosses a second splintered spear down towards this assassin, this member of the Brotherhood of Silence. That was a 12. You just not landed these spears today. It's not going fantastic. All right, you hear spells being cast in the room up above. Good things are coming. And he is those. All right, no. This guy is surprising you with how well he can successfully duel you with a knife. He's very, very quick, but you were previously encumbered by trying to be stealthy and take him down before just it. You weren't really protecting yourself. You were you were going all in just trying to take him down. Now, mm-hmm. now this is a proper fight. This you can do. Back over to my normal strategy, five foot step, combat expertise, take the swing. My rolls are going down by one every you single time. You just cannot land a hit on this guy. Oh my. At least and, it's uh, combat expertise this yeah, time. As you approach, you raise your shield, and that brings you up to what, 22? Uh, 21. It's still plus one. Oh yeah, you have to get the bat before, before you get the plus two. So uh, with your shield raised now, taking a fully defensive stance, you are able to protect yourself now, and you keep him back as he tries to swing at you, and he Five footsteps a bit further back, still holding the lantern. Up here, this door swings open, and Inori uh, can see up the stairs now. These two more of these same assassins uh, dress much the same with the basic leather armor and the daggers at their side. And one other man who seems to be wearing a bit heavier gear a studded leather and with a sickle in one hand uh, clearly a fetchling which are pretty uncommon in apara but you're not you don't see one fetchling you see six 
gathered around in a small huddle behind the table, and you have enough arcane knowledge to understand the effects of mirror image when you see it. Gotcha. I was ask if I would recognize that. And he opens the door, and then as the light floods down the stairs, they see you immediately. And uh, another one of the assassins is going to step into view, and as his friend is opening the door, he already has a small pointed dart in his hand. He flips it over his ally's shoulder towards you. I turn darts into that. And you duck as the door opens. The dart bounces off the wall behind you. Inori. Okay. Jesus. Okay. Um, well, I didn't know he was a caster. <laughs> that changes things. All right. I'm going to step up into this doorway. Now that's a full round. I can't do that. Never mind. From here, I'm... What's a full round? I need a full round to do the um, do do a spell and a strike thing. Yes, because that has to be a full attack. Yeah. Ah, uh, shit. I'm gonna. They don't threaten me from here. I don't think. But just to be safe, I'll defensively cast shield. Yeah, shield. All right. Cut off guard. Dodging darts. Make a concentration check to cast a spell. And since it's defensive, it's plus four. Now I could roll it off the sheet, right? You can, yeah. You can click concentration on your sheet right there. Uh, but with a nine, trying to protect well, yourself, you can't put enough focus into casting the spell, and you uh, you lose it as you duck under the dart fling at you. Even with four higher. Uh, with four higher. Because I have um, combat casting. Oh right, and I don't I think never, I don't think that it's depends. I ever remember if it's ten plus double spell level or fifteen plus double spell level. Let me see. It's fifteen plus double spell level, so it'd be seventeen. So yeah, four higher still fails. Whoops. Right, so yeah, you you lose the concentration of the spell. That's great. Um, then I'm gonna move back down the stairs next to Dora. <laughs> All right, Baylor. If a spell is a full round, do I remember correctly that you can spend part of your turn casting it? Yes, you can move it. and use your standard, and then use your standard next turn. But if anyone hits you in between, you're taking the damage while you're casting, so we have to make concentration checks. That's what I thought. And so it's these people intelligent enough to go for the guy casting a spell. Oh, can anyone get to me? Also true. You are still my obligation. Yeah, you are still. Oh no, you moved outside of shooting spirits. You're not stealth anymore. I was gonna say you're still hidden, but you're not. And if I were to cast a summoning spell, could I do it through the window over here? 
Uh, you have line of sight, but not line of effect, so yeah. Alright, I'm gonna pull out the Someone's scroll. Bound, though, isn't it? Oh, because it's a scroll. Yeah. Pull out the scroll of Summon Monster 2. <laughs> the first oh, time in ever nice. someone's gonna get value out of this spell. What are you casting? What are we bringing? A fire elemental. Small. <laughs> oh, a boy. tiny little fireman. Wait, let me find my tiny little fireman icon I always use. There he is. There's my little fireman. Poof. You want to put him right inside the window? Yep. Alrighty, so let me give you this fire elemental here just grows into life uh, inside the window in the room with the other assassins and whoever this caster is. How much else the fire elemental have for small? It is 11. There you go. Right, you should be able to control it now. It does immediately act on your turn. Uh, I should probably give you... You can't actually see through it. You can just command it. You're not, like, magically telepathically connected to it or anything. No, I could just tell it attack stuff. <laughs> attack stuff! Is that what you're doing? Uh-huh. Alright, what stuff? Is it just step forward, attack stuff? Well, like, attack stuff that isn't an Ori. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of put a guy that, yeah. Alright, yeah, so like... the, uh... The final metal steps up and starts swinging, so make me it slam. You can just slash roll it. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Uh, he gets a 17. Roll me a d6. On a 6, you hit the guy. On a 1 through 5, you hit a mirror image. You pop one of the mirror images around this caster. Which you can uh, just barely see through the window as the fire metal steps up to the table. Uh, Dara. Oh, fuck. Um. This guy has cover now because he's behind a pile of boxes from you. Yeah. Unless you go further up the stairs. Good. But that would be. I can't take a five foot. He's, he's there, and uh, I can't move and take a full round action, right? No, but you can move in ready in action, which is part of why Overwatch is so good, just because you can still move. Because ready is just a standard. It never stops being a standard, even when you're shooting four attacks with it. So you can still reposition and do your Overwatch style. Uh, no, really it, no, to use it uh, until I get the Vortex is just, uh, it's a full round action. So oh. I can't move and use it yet. You can still move in ready one. Yeah. Or just move and shoot one, but yeah, you can't find it set up because Inori's there. Up a little above you on the stairs. So if Inori I... has retreated back down as the door is open and the uh, assassins inside are now just flinging stuff at her. What? Would I be able to hop down to the boxes in front of me over the rail and fire one? That would be an acrobatic shake to still be able to fire it, but yeah, go for it. Okay. Um... Like DC 12 to jump the railing on the boxes. I'll do it. 13! <laughs> he hops down. Uh, All right. Leaps the railing, lands on top of a box, and readies his crossbow to take a shot. And then, uh... It'll just be this one. 
With a 21, even across the boxes in front of you, you hit again this assassin that Nell's been dueling with. Wouldn't call it dueling so much as just getting stabbed. Yeah, <laughs> just getting stabbed. stabbed. Yeah, there's not really a duel going on here. I mean, it's a duel that's going very poorly. Okay. Nine damage as the bolt strikes him, he spins yes. and falls with his lantern clattering to the ground. And uh, before my turn ends, I will yell, we may need to retreat. This guy, uh, you can see up through the window, is going to five foot step back. And you can hear his voice coming down the uh, stairs out the door. How interesting. First Martella and now her goons. Isn't this curious how things just continue to play into their hands? The funny part here is I think they think they can win. And you can feel or, or tell that there's magic inlaid in his dark humor, bolstering his comrades. Now, I'm going to draw a potion as I move. Let's measure this out to make sure I move. Yeah, so I'll go to there and I'll drink a potion. Tara's done 100% of damage in this fight so far. Oh yeah, drop both guys. And it's just like, I'm leaving. I'm running away now. Uh, there's been no sign from the other side of the warehouse yet. No one's come over. It is a pretty big warehouse. Nice potion. Uh, you get the full nine hit points from that potion. That was a real, real nice potion. Don't get the fortitude save. And you get the plus one to fort. That's true. Let me check one more time here with this guy. Yes, all right. So uh, then this initiate in the front rushes down the stairs, uh, just barely in view from the light coming down from above and the light coming down, or coming up from the lantern laying on the ground. And there is one thing I should do with this fire elemental is regardless of his ability to give you line of sight. He is definitely made of fire and should probably radiate light. Probably. And uh, this guy comes down the stairs and seeing the four of you, uh, now emboldened by his magical comrade, throws another dart down towards Inori. Um, and you dodge under this one as well as he seems to be scrambling to ready himself and still not fully prepared for combat he just kind of flings it down as he approaches and it just bounces off the railings of the stairs past you and no this one is going to come out into the stairs and uh, he's actually he's going to five foot step back he's going to go for the fire elemental what's the fire elemental's ac it is 16. Okay, and they're immune to crits, right? Yeah, I don't think those are immune to crits. You can see through the dancing lights that he is in there dueling with the fire elemental up in that raised office. Inori. Okay, tired of this guy throwing stuff at me. 
So I'm going to go introduce myself. And, uh, all right, I'm going to open with my normal attack. So you move up the stairs and just swing your sword at him. Uh, you hit him. Eighteen will land. Ouch. And you strike him, unfortunately, for only four damage. Rolling a one. However, but still, <laughs> it's not particularly hard, Eddie. He staggers. Gonna spell strike him. With um. It's not a full attack. You had to move. Yeah, but that's that's for. Spell strike is uh, oh, spell strike is to put a sword and whack a spell on a sword and whack a dude. Yeah, it's basically get an extra attack. Pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. You gotta say it before you swing. Cause if you miss, you lose the spell. For future reference. Yeah, I'm saying it now. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, I, no, actually, you didn't use the spell. We actually looked that up a little while ago. We'll, yeah. we'll look at that later. But yeah. Okay, but continue. What spell are you hit him with? Chill touch. Ooh, okay, what's that doing? Click him with on a big icicle. And you think, give him the cold. Yeah, click on that in your spell list. All right, I'll show you. I'll have to Google it. So, chill touch hits him for an additional point of damage. And he loses. Strength, unless he makes a fortitude save. That's okay. Cool. Because <laughs> it's chill touch. Ah. Cool. You know what's fucked up is I didn't even mean to do that, and I'm embarrassed that it happened that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad that this is how things had to be. All right, let me make a fortitude save real quick. I already threw the thing. Uh, what thing? The normal attack at my highest bet to hit it. Oh. Uh no, you. No, that's first. You cast. You have, that's why you have to say it before. He gets one attack, and if you hit him, you also hit him with the spell. It, it's part of the first attack you made. You're only swinging once. Uh. Okay. Hitting that spell strike. Hitting him with the sword hits him with the sword and the chill touch. I was spell on combat the is where you make a second one. Spell the one where you do two is the one where you need your full attack. This one, you literally swing. You swing one time. You walk up. You cast Chill Touch into your sword. You swing your sword. If you miss, you lose the spell. If you hit him, you do sword damage and the spell. Uh, That's what we're doing. I'll have to look. All right, I'll have to look at that again. Yeah, but you hit him with Chill Touch, and he fails the fortitude save, so he does actually lose one strength. So he does, uh, as he freezes, weaken. Unfortunately, it doesn't make a difference to him. Baylor. I'm going to cast Mage Armor on myself. I finally have a good idea. opportunity to do that. Maybe putting Mage Armor on is a good idea, yes. What's your Fire Elemental going to do? Uh, you can't really see what's going on up there anymore. Yeah, just, just keep yeah, punching. Keep punching. All right, roll but, uh, an attack for him. Well, I'm going to cast that and start moving towards the stairs. All right, and roll me that Fire Elemental punch. 
Uh, and he swings, but he's not hitting anything up there. Dara. Oh, boy. Um, I can't see anyone right now, right? No. Okay. Then uh, I'm going you to... You can hear the fighting on the stairs behind him, and it isn't quiet. 15. I'm going to go here, getting ready to grab the lanterns, because I'm blind. You can definitely get all the way. Can you not see the lantern light? Yeah, you can definitely get all the way to the lantern and take it. Oh, okay, perfect. Then yeah. Are you I'll trying to take it or put it out? No, take it. I want. I want to have the lantern. Okay, yeah, because you can get there. That's thirty feet. You can certainly get there. Oh, beautiful. Now give me about ten minutes of text field editing, and I will change the light value. Just waiting. Easy. To be able to edit a text field. Alright, there's one. Now let me put it on yours. Wait. Hold on. Roll 20. It's, it's doing its hard. It's trying. It's thinking. It's thinking about editing text. It's it's really Ericos. Alright, he is going to hold, actually. No. Uh while that's happening, I'm going to move up to here where I guess low radiant light I could see I'm now blocked. Uh, is it possible to get past this? Uh, you know because you'd have to acrobatics past the assassin. It's the only way because you can't share an elite square. But you have to acrobatics through his square which means you need acrobatics higher than his CMD plus 5. That's the only way you could do that. You're kind of bottlenecked on the stairs right now. Alright, uh, uh, can I ready a move action to switch places with Inori if she will move? I'll let you do that, yeah. Alright, this guy, now strangely weakened by, he's honestly not positive what, he doesn't understand magic. He is going to draw his dagger and take a swing at Inori, and this one strikes her, and Inori, you take six damage. And he is going to back a bit up the stairs. And uh, as he does, he's just going to turn and yell back up. They keep coming! What do we do? How many are there? This guy is once again going to take a swing at the fire elemental. Oh, that's the wrong guy. This guy. He's going to take a swing at the fire elemental. Dude, this dude is on. I, I, it's really you got a lot of value of the fact that fire elementals can't be crit because he crit it twice. <laughs> so you got a lot of value out of them not being able to be crit. So that's cool. And then he's going to uh, five foot step over to here. And with the area now revealed, this guy is going to walk forward and simply push past him with his free hand, with his sickle raised. I'm just saying. I have to say, I'm impressed. I've never seen a pair take getting stabbed repeatedly quite as well as you two. Now, let's see how long that lasts, of course. And again, you can still hear the, or feel the magic weaved into his voice that is still empowering himself and his allies. And you realize in some way this dark, twisted form of humor that this man uh, seems to enjoy is being contorted into a bardic performance. That is bolstering all of them. And as he approaches and he says that, he cuts it off. And with a final word, 
casts a spell down the stairs onto Nell and Inori. Both of you make me a will save against fear. That's a hard 20. That is a hard 20. Nell stands firm. What about you, I will not be shaken by your cowardly words. You lost bravery only mechanically. <laughs> Nori, however, is very much afraid. And you are frightened. So you are taking your round doing whatever you can to get as far... I'll do this one. To get as far as possible from this bard as you can. Okay. Go double move back into my boxes, I guess. You see Inori as she gets up there and he casts a spell. You feel this affect your mind and you fight it off, but you see Inori absolutely just panic and fall back all the way down to the boxes at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, Baylor. So, I can see him from where I'm at. It's kind of hard to tell with the you way can, the light yeah. is. Because light's coming out the inside of the room, so now you can. And uh, before you go, actually, let me do one more thing. This is interesting, but uh, I kind of expected these guys to fall, fall relatively quickly, because they're pretty squishy. But... I think it may be not a terrible idea to actually pause the session here. Yes. As Baylor contemplates his next action, you hear footsteps and see more lights coming around from the area down to the bottom left as Dara sees another pair of curious assassins. The lamp raised high, kind of making their way around the corner. Uh, the sound didn't go through enough to really rouse them, but enough to make them wonder what exactly is going on. It was two more of the members of the Brotherhood of Silence creep around the corner to join the fight. Dara at the forefront, most exposed. Inori cowering in a pile of boxes. Baylor and Nell on the stairs, ready to face this cascade of bard buffed assassins coming down at them this will be an interesting battle to pick up on next week I think oh yeah Dar of course everything I rolled non-combat was mad